This podcast replay is brought to you by Walton Rayom. Call for a free consultation, 954-966-4646. At Walton Rayom, they don't get paid unless you win. Welton Rayom handles property damage claims due to a hurricane. Welton Rayom can help. 954-966-4646. Howdy, howdy, howdy. How you all doing out there? I hope you're doing well. We are hanging in there. We're doing good. Got the leg up. I've never done this. I've never done a show with my my right leg is lifted up in the air. It was weird because I first started a because you got to keep your leg up after the surgery. And they don't want you on it or anything like that. I've got like six weeks of rehab and everything. I got one of those little uh, carts that I can put my le- my knee on. And then I can, you know, scooter myself around. Although I don't know if I can use that yet with my specific injury. We're trying to clear it with the doctor. Because I have not, we haven't used it yet. Got a, got a freaking walker. Yeah. That's <laughs> got it's just things that you know things i gotta adjust with now you know surgery went well i went it was you know it was and they put me out um but um i thought maybe local anesthesia and all that stuff but uh no no it was uh it was going to be uh uh what's it called uh regular anesthesia what's it called not anesthesia what's it called uh whatever they they put you out the sleeping gas or whatever so um just uh, went out like a light. Then I woke up and here I am. And now I got my foot in a boot. I'm in a boot. And so it's uh, everything is uh, interesting, you know, when you have less mobility. And I still don't know about pain yet because what they did to me yesterday is still numbed my, my leg and everything. So uh, it hasn't worn off yet. It takes about a day for it to all wear off so at some point today the effects of that stuff they shot me up with is going to wear out and then i will find out if there's any any pain they gave me percocet uh which i hate taking i don't take pain medicine um i think when i when i blew out my shoulder and i had a an ac joint blowout was a second degree man that shit was painful um, I took the first one and then I never took them again. So they were just sitting there and uh, they rotted away. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not big on pain medicine. No, I'm not a liquor guy either. So um, we'll see what happens. I don't, that's the part that's kind of interesting. You know what I mean? So they were like, yeah. And I actually, I like Tylenol three with codeine better than Percocet. Percocet. I don't enjoy. I had it in the, Gave me like a stomach pain, and I said, I'm not, I don't know, I'll deal with the pain instead. I'd rather just let the pain subside and, you know, you'll figure it out. But uh, usually I'm not big with that kind of stuff. So that's my mission now that I got to uh, recover. We'll be at Hialeah Park tomorrow. I'm not, it's not going to stop me. I'll be there. Uh, I'll get it done one way or the other. Uh, we were supposed to be today at KSDTCPAs, actually. But they had some issue there, and so we're rearranging that one because uh, they they have some meeting or something. So we 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 obviously accommodate our, our people, and and so we're going to uh, move that one. Which, by the way, it couldn't have been better timing. You know what I mean? Because it would have been a mission the day after the surgery, 
where I'm at right now to also get in the car and go and all that. This is kind of a blessing a little bit, you know, and then tomorrow it's an afternoon show and we did Acura last week, so we don't have to do Acura this week. So I'm in studio on Friday also. So I only have one road trip and that's Hialeah and that'll be uh, tomorrow. And so we'll be there tomorrow afternoon, uh, rocking and rolling. So appreciate. And, and I also can, you know, I'd be remiss if I did not mention all the love on social media, all the platforms from Facebook and, and uh, even threads, somebody said, which is like, you know, you don't have as many people following you on thread. Uh, Twitter, you guys bombarded me uh, on Twitter and on DM and, Thank you all out there as always. And I see a lot of the well wishes already on the chat board. We'll go through a little roll call. Uh, so I appreciate all of you out there. Uh, we do have a, a bunch of uh, dolphin topics that uh, I do want to address, you know, all kinds of uh, topics and misinformation and everything. So might as well straighten some stuff out. That's what we're here to do. Uh, obviously, we got uh, some of our teams locally in action uh, yesterday or all over the world, and we'll talk about that. I uh, got uh, one local team um, playing in action tonight, uh, and then we'll talk about um, other things. And then, of course, I got a little Bitcoin stuff I want to talk about. Uh, I've got music. I've got entertainment your questions, your comments, all kinds of good stuff. And remember, you can always support the hell out of the show by making a donation through Cash App or Venmo at Cash Big O Show. That is Cash Big O Show, Cash App or Venmo, Cash Big O Show. And we appreciate it as always. And of course, the Super Chats there too. Always appreciate that too here on Le Programme. All righty, Sean Stanley, of course, the man mastering the platform every single day and every single moment. And welcome uh, back to Sean Stanley's uh, show here. We we just we just kind of fill in. We he's carrying us is really what, what's going on. So the great Sean Stanley is back here on a Wednesday. It's a beautiful thing. I'm looking at uh, let me see where the markets are at right now. Uh, the Dow opened up up 57 points. The S&P opened up nearly 18 points. And the NASDAQ is up barely 20, uh, a fifth of a point, put it that way, pretty much. So not much on the Bitcoin side. I know we've been flirting around 43. Are we still there? Uh, 43, exactly. 43.16. So Bitcoin uh, hovering right around there. And I got some stuff I also want to share about that that helps to enlighten some out there that want to be enlightened, of course. Those that want to stay in the dark, you can stay in the dark. We're all good with that. A little roll call. Man, my throat hurts a little bit. It's because that stupid, uh, they, the intubate, right? Is that what it is when they put that stupid tube that's the only thing that kind of hurts back there. That I got more discomfort from the back of my throat than I do on my on my on my leg right for now. For now, the drugs have not worn off yet. Okay, it'll be interesting to see when the drugs wear off, where my pain will be at that point. But you know, we'll, 
We'll get there when we get there. It'll be funny if it happens during the show. <laughs> oh, painful, but funny for you. Because, you know, you, you love that uncomfortable shit, right? Anyway, uh, let's do a little roll call. Steven Gonzalez is in the house. And thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you. Jamie Zoria out in San Jose reminding everybody, please always smash that like button. And remember, time spent watching is what really, it's great to hit the like button, but if you just pop in and watch for 30 seconds, hit the like button, it doesn't really help. It's time spent watching is what really helps. The like button is nice. It's great. It gets the algorithms going, but more importantly is time spent watching. Okay. That's really the important one. Uh, Angelo De Jesus. Thank you, sir. Uh, sneak attack. Thank you. Uh, the captain Saki is in from Tarpon Springs, Florida. Love when you guys are, are, are put where you're, uh, where you're chiming in from. Uh, Jeff in Long Island. Thank you, sir. Skylar Tipton, Adriel, Jay Gelfin. Thank you. Thank you as always. And he reminds everybody to smash that like button. Uh, one-eyed Jack, Cosa Nostra, Ray, Alexis, NorCal, raining again out in Cali, perfect coffee and doobie weather to start the day. Um, I would not trade Florida for California for nothing in the world. Love visiting California. Uh, there's too much shit going on in California, bro. Way too, like mother nature abuses the crap out of you people. Wow. I don't know what you guys did to mother nature. Have no idea. Yeah, we got our hurricanes every once in a while, but shit, you got floods and mudslides and 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 uh fires and and now you're getting the remnants of hurricanes on the south end of, of california you get snowstorms in like the middle of summer uh you uh you get these snow uh, these shower and storm cycles that are like they have their own pineapple and uh all this other stuff like uh you you guys have like all these special names for the systems that you get attacked with. Oh, and let's not forget earthquakes. Like I, I, I don't know what California did, NorCal, to piss off Mother, mother Nature, but whatever it is, okay? And we're, I'm not even going to mention the crime, but whatever it is, okay, it's bad. I don't know what you guys did, but you pissed off Mother Nature somehow. I mean, wow, I have never, there's no state like California that gets bombarded by all kinds of wacky-ass weather, dude. Nobody. Only California. And it's such a great place to visit. <laughs> there's so much there to actually see. Uh, Drago is in. Lisa Rose. Gus Gus 1388. Walter Olivares. Rick Deman, Brian Landis. Did they give you whippets? Oh, what's whippets? I don't know what whippets are. You you have to fill me in on that. You're laughing, so there's something to that that I don't know what that is. Uh, I hate pills. Amen. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I'm not big on on pills at all. You know, so I try not to. But hell, I'm even stuck on the other ones that I have because I have to take them every day. 
Uh, take the meds. Don't let it wear on the throbbing. It's going to uh, take over, uh, keep it raised. Well, I am going to keep it raised. I'm, I'm doing that. But I try to stay away. I, I try to deal with pain as much as possible. I'm that I'm that guy. I'd rather almost de- if I if I can deal with the pain, I'll deal with the pain and I'll compartmentalize, you know, and then try to do something else, but not let the pain dominate my my thinking. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I now again, if it becomes unbearable, then, of course, I have to take it. You know what I'm saying? You know, can't be stupid either uh let's see ashley williams is in chad frankie fresco eric bedenbaugh uh, rose says codeine makes me nuts lol give me the perks any day see it's uh the perk does something to my stomach so that's why i took it once and i never took it again but um they gave me percocets they didn't give me we tried to get tylenol codeine tylenol tylenol three with codeine tried to get that but they gave us Percocets. Instead, they were out of codeine, actually. They were out of Percocets, too. They, My wife's like, well, my husband had an operation, and when it wears out, he'll be in pain. Wait, let me check. And uh, my, my wife's amazing. And uh, apparently somebody didn't come in to pick up their Percocets for like five or six days or something like that. And she says, well, this person hasn't picked up their medicine. It's been out for five or six days. I'm going to I'm going to reverse it. I'm going to give it to you. And then when, you know, I'm sure when the new loads of Percocet come in, they'll give it to that person. But uh, that was pretty cool of them to do that, actually. So uh, let's see. Inter Miami lost again. Yes, they did. I don't care about preseason, Frankie. You're, you're, there's too much going on to worry about preseason in any sport, my man. Carl Wilson Fishing says, I need that Bitcoin hat. Uh, go to uh, Amazon. They have it at Amazon. I believe it's like 30 bucks, 35 bucks. It is a great hat. By the way, it's also super comfortable. Very well constructed. So it's a really nice hat, embroidered and everything. Um, it's, a, it's a really cool hat. Love this uh, Bitcoin hat, obviously. Um, so yeah, Amazon, you can find this Bitcoin hat. Uh, let's see. Chad is in. Sean's back must be hurting carrying the show every day. Uh, brother, it's it's like uh, how long we've been together, Sean? Four years now, right? Four or five, something like that. Four. It's four years of him carrying me. That's why his knees all effed up. You know, we, we tell you, you know, we tell you, hey, he's a Marine, a former Marine. He was paratrooping, all that stuff. But really, it's carrying my fat ass around for four years. It really ruined his knee. So yeah, no, it's uh, he's he's in bad shape because of me. There's no doubt about that. Uh, all the markets are waiting for a decision on interest rates. That's not coming till June. June will start the interest rate cuts. I've been telling you that for months now. That June is probably the date that uh, I would expect the cuts would start because that puts us half a year out before the elections, and then you can start with I would probably say close to two points of cuts over the next six months you know, from June to, to January, I would imagine you'll get about 2% of cuts, something like that. You know, it'll be a, a quarter, a half, and then another half, and then another quarter, a half, and, you know, somewhere in there, close to 2%, I would say, something like that. It's probably what's going to end up happening. But it'll be a, a slow deal. They have six meetings this year. They've already had one. 
So they have five meetings left, I believe, six or seven. I think it is. Something like that. Uh, let's see. Oh, I re and by the way, uh, the markets, um, Eric, does not include crypto, my friend. The markets are not waiting for that. Okay. The having and the ETFs alone. And wait till I, you know, explain to you more about that. You'll understand that crypto has crypto has already um detached itself from the stock market and from gold. Okay. It has decoupled as we say. It is already on a different path and a more positive path, actually. You know, it the volatility is going to get smaller and smaller and smaller now. You're not going to have as many of those, you know, like in the past, a 30, 40, 50% drops. Those days are done, okay? You just had like a 9, 8% drop, which is nothing. That's about what you're going to get now. Institutional money is in. So the difference is the crypto market is completely decoupled now. You know, obviously liquidity will help out. So once liquidity opens up, which is one of the things you're talking about, once you lower the rates, more money will come in, more will flow into crypto too. But crypto is already ahead. Obviously, look at Bitcoin since January 1st, the most explosive, um, what's it called, uh, commodity in the world is Bitcoin. It's not even close. Nothing comes close to Bitcoin. You can't go from 16,000 to 43,000 in just a couple of months, you know, and just you know, all of a sudden you're, you're rocking, you know what I mean? I mean, it just doesn't, it, nothing does this. Nothing at all does this from January 1st of last year, you're at 16,000 and now you're at 43 in a matter of months, you know, that's, Nothing does that. Nothing. So, um, yes, uh, on, the, on the stock side, probably waiting for more of that. Gold, probably waiting for more of that. Cigar Social Club says, I recently did a colonoscopy. Want to say it was painless, like you stated time and time again on this show. I told you, painless. It's not embarrassing like we think all or like all of us think it is. It's not uncomfortable like all of us make it out to be. It is done in an incredibly clean, professional, and respectful manner. Okay? All the things that you have in your mind about colonoscopies, they're all wrong. Every single one of them. And when after you're done and... I know you, Cigar Social Club. I've met you a couple times. You're younger than I am, so I'm proud of you, bro. I'm really proud of you because you weren't as dumb as I was because I was a fucking idiot, okay? I was a mega-sized moron. I waited till I was 56 years old. That's stupid. That's catastrophically stupid on my part. Okay, I can't tell you what an idiot I am for waiting till I was 56. Thank the good Lord above that I had nothing and it was clean and everything was fine. You know, I think they found one little polyp and it was nothing or whatever. And that's all. Nothing else. Guy told me you don't got to come back for five years. Which I'm not doing that, by the way, at 57, I'm not doing that. Now that I know the experience and I have insurance, I'll go in two or three years. You know what I mean? I'm not going to take the chance anymore. 
you know, as I start getting closer to 60, you think I'm a no, 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 no. It's doesn't it's now that I know what it is. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke. And it's not even close to all the crap that you put up in your head. So please, please go get the colonoscopy. Please. Okay. I did it at Baptist Health. My wife did it at Baptist Health recently. And I'm just, and lots of you now have been telling me either on DMs or you're being honest on the chat board because several people reached out to me on DM and they're probably embarrassed to say it, which I, you know, I have to not be embarrassed because you guys are watching me. And if it, I, I got to make, I got to send you the message, you know, and I want you to know what it feels like that it's nothing, that it's something that we all should do. We have to do, we must do, and we cannot delay it. You know what I'm saying? So don't make the mistake I did. I'm not embarrassed. You know what I mean? I'm a human being just like the rest of you. I go through the same things the rest of you do, but this is like one of those subjects that's always been kind of taboo. You know what I mean? And it shouldn't be. It should not be. You know what I mean? So please, congratulations, Cigar Social Club. I am so glad that everything came out perfect. Uh, good for you. And I tell everybody else, please, 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 please. If it's your time, if you're in the 40s already, man, get it done. Get it done. Fernando Perez. Buenos dias, everyone. Thank you, sir. Norcal says, I should have sent you some brownies. They're perfect for pain and sleep. You know those gummies. Um, I got a friend of mine that 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 uh, enjoys the gummies, and he has some other edibles, cookies, also. Um, I tried them; they did absolutely nothing to me. So I figure if I'm going to have an edible, because I've, I've tried a couple of edibles from those different places, people have given them to me, and all, they do nothing to me. Nothing. But NorCal, if you made those edibles, you probably made it nice and potent. So I could try those, and maybe it'll work. Uh, just stay off the Jets turf, Big O. Yeah, that, that, that stuff smells. Yeah, no, you just, yeah, smells. It tears up your feet. You're right. It's in Jersey. I mean, what do you expect? Stetson O is in. Pedro Soto. Thank you, sir. Dan is in Tampa. Fins Up is in Chicago. Ashley Williams is in the Bahamas. Everything is better in the Bahamas. That's what they say. Uh, Joseph, uh, Big O, great to see you again. Thank you. Think Blue Dodgers. Shout out from Los Angeles, of course. That's why he's always thinking Blue Dodgers. Professional lounger. I thought that was me. It's actually my dog's. Oh, he's, he says he's lounging in Virginia. Skylar Tipton is up in Chicago. Mr. Roe Bryce is up in Bluefield, Virginia. Man, Virginia is such a beautiful state. Driving through Virginia a couple times. Man, what a beautiful state. Love that state. Uh, Man Dog is in. And, uh, and droughts. Oh, yes, and that's right. Calif California, California had drought so bad that every they were running out of water and then they had so much rain that all the reservoirs got overflown and a lake that had disappeared 80 years ago purposely they drained that lake purposely mother nature said 
no, 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 no. I want my lake back and put so much rain into the state that they brought back a lake to life. And by bringing that lake to life, you flooded an entire town. Only in California, dude. Only in California. Okay? (laughs) I'm not laughing at that whole town getting flooded. It's just the extremes of California. I, I, I just, the stories are endless. Endless. Uh, Uber is watching from Mazatlan, Mexico. Uh, Bill's fake crowd noises. Yes, he reminds us of the earthquakes. Uh, Lewis Jones, uh, do the heat make another splash? I wouldn't. I don't think they're, you know, they're not a championship caliber team. Unless you could get a superstar why i'm not giving up more resources bro they just keep getting into that same hole so uh yeah the progressive liberals will uh will will knock you out yeah 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 mark no no doubt nor nor cal the progressive liberals and the extreme conservatives the two the 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 extremes on both sides they're absolute disasters they're ruining everything uh, complete idiots on the left, complete idiots on the right. Actually, let me rephrase that. Complete idiots on the far left, complete morons on the far right. Those two groups are the cancers of our country. That's the cancers of our country. You know, a lot of us that are closer, whether you're Democrat or Republican, they're closer to the middle. You know, we're, we're, we're the sane ones. The ones on the far left and the far right, those people are absolutely insane totally insane so yeah nothing worse than the far right and the far left uh maybe mother nature doesn't like newsom i don't know but they they don't like california mother nature does not like california big o did you experience an earthquake when you were in cali i you know every time i've been to cali even when i lived in san francisco for half a year i did not actually experience an earthquake ever i got lucky so when I go to California, no earthquakes happen. I don't know why it is, but I've never felt a tremor, nothing, not a blip, not a shake, nothing. Okay. Every time I go to California, don't ask me to move there now. Not doing that. Oh, I picked up some more Pendle before it started skyrocketing. I truly believe it will pass the all-time high of 383. Oh, God, yes, please. Are you kidding me? Pendle has been, while we've been going sideways or dipping in others, Pendle um, is, I got to tell you something. I think Pendle is going to go to $10 plus now. It's been so explosive, more explosive. I gave you guys injective protocol. In August of 22, at a dollar forty, dollar thirty-four, dollar forty, no, dollar forty-three to dollar seventy-one, I think it was, and it's at like thirty-four dollars now. I gave you Pendo at a dollar thirty-four. I'm repeating this shit again. Okay, that's all I'm telling you. I I gave you injective protocol. I went up over twenty-two hundred percent. I gave you Pendo. At a terrific price, and through this mess now, it it went from a dollar thirty four 
and it is right now on a dip. Okay, I gave it to you at a dollar thirty-four, and right now, because right now there's you know sideways little dip. Okay, I gave it to you at a dollar thirty-four. It's at a dip right now. If you want to get in at three twenty-four. I mean, you know, you're making hand over fist here. You're you're at uh, you're at over 150 percent easily right now. So you know, you're th this is a. I think this thing once the liquidity starts flowing in and and Bitcoin starts running and the altcoins explode, Pendle's going to explode. It looks like one of those that is going to explode to 15, 20, 30 dollars. You know what I mean? And those of us that got in at a dollar something, hey baby. You're welcome, man. We're the only show in, in, in South Florida that makes you money. We're the only freaking show in South Florida that makes you money. Well, then again, we are the only show in South Florida that actually understands crypto. So, you know, what else can we tell you about that? But, yeah, sneak attack. We're going to win so big with Pendle, you know. So, yeah, it's just another one of those. Chimp Stock says, damn, Bo Campers and Miramar Caput for sale. Oh, yeah, it's been like that for a while. Yeah. Why? God, that was that was one of my favorite locations. The Miramar one. I mean, it's closer to me, but I just love the whole water thing and all that. I thought it was cool. Oh well. Um, and they do things right. So it's kind of weird that I don't know. I don't get that one. But then again, it's not my thing, man. Um, God is sending message to Cali. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's not a good one, man. Man, they beat those people up. Uh, what happened to your foot, Orlando? Oz, come on, my brother. You know, there there are shows. You know, I get it. You just popped in, but you know, it's it's uh I guess you you don't listen often. You know what I mean? You're probably one of those dudes uh that listens to segments. Um, my foot's uh I got a bone spur stabbing one of my tendons that controls my toes. So it's kind of painful. So they had to shave off that bone spur. And then they had to uh, um, work with my Achilles because I had a bone spur by my Achilles, which could then uh, snap the Achilles. So they had to stretch my Achilles because my foot was not, you know, it's a long story, but whatever. It's all messed up. Now they fixed it. And now I got six weeks of rehab. Okay. And thank you for checking. God, I got to go to Austin for the Austin city limits. That shit is badass. That shit is badass. Done blown up. Oz, thank you. Done blown up. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. Uh, you want to give uh, the Cuban a call there, uh, Sean Cam Wolf? Uh, Adolfo, thank you for the love on the super chat, sir. Uh, Big O, in a fast car kind of way, can you explain the process of calling a play? So we can understand why Coach D is failing the team and why so slow and unorganized. I'm just a fan. Well, my brother, he sees what's going on, right? And you've got to have uh, an idea of what the next play call is, whether it's second and three or second and seven. And you've got to have an instant thing. You know, it's got to come to mind on your play sheet how you're attacking them right away. you got to see how the defense is playing. You got to understand this corner got injured. That backup corner just came in. The defensive end that holds the point 
just twisted his knee. He's out. The backup end is in. How does that change the play call I'm doing? It's second and three. Do I call a pass play or do I call a run against that guy right now on the end, at the right end? What do I do? But you got to have that answer right away. One of the things that I've noticed about Mike McDaniel, you have too. Um, uh, um, uh, um, uh, you takes too much fucking time to even give me a damn answer. Well, um, uh, um, uh, do I use this play? Do I use that play? Do I use this play? Do I use that play? Okay, let me send it in. Orange four, seven right, Q, 46, on six. So, you know, you're sending in a play, and that's a short one. That probably takes, you know, eight seconds to call out, and then you, you've only got a certain amount. So you were um uh um uh, uh deciding on what play to call already, and then um uh um uh once you decide, you send it um uh 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 to Tua, and then Tua gets it, and when he comes to the line, there's five seconds left. There's eight seconds left, and he doesn't have time to see if the defense adjusts to whatever the the lineup comes, because once the lineup breaks, the defense reads you, and then they come apart. And then you've got to then decipher as a quarterback what the hell is going on. But if they send in the play late, it's hard to adjust the protections. It's hard to adjust the, the play call because you only have a check with me. So if you don't have time, then you got to run the play that you kind of know is going to fail already. This makes no sense. So he's got to get his shit straightened out, man. There is no issue bigger this offseason than Mike McDaniel. Sorry, got to adjust the stuff here. So I love I hope that that explains it to you. But that that shit's got to get fixed right away. Scott bonus is in in Anchorage, Alaska. Pat in Asheville says uh, pro tip from my nurse wife. Stay ahead of the pain. It takes more meds to catch up rather than keep pain low. She's a thousand percent right. But I don't know when the hell the pain is going to start. So they told me, listen to this. Okay. Listen, Pat. I don't know if, if your wife is listening. They told me to take the Percocet uh, last night because it'll start running out. So I would have taken a Percocet for no reason at all last night. I'm not in pain at all. I'm not in discomfort right now. And and we are now approaching 1030 in the morning. And they told me to take it last night. So I can make sure that I sleep the night. I slept like a baby. I slept all right, actually. So it wasn't too bad. So that's my problem with this. You know what I mean? And not for nothing. But in this world, they're dying to shove these drugs down your throat all the time. You know? And I'm just not. I'm just not big on taking that pain medicine stuff if I don't desperately have to take it. I'm pretty good with pain tolerance. I'm pretty good. You know? I'm I'm not uh I'm not that guy that necessarily folds like a cheap tent right away cuz I feel a little pain. I could kind of deal with it. Man, I drove with kidney stones that were attacking me. Okay? Uh I I did, I finished out a radio show and drove home with kidney stones. Okay, so like, and that is, 
That is star seeing pain, kidney stones. I've had it twice. So I don't know when this thing is going to start hurting, you know, when whenever whatever they shot me up with yesterday, you know, because they told me it could take up to 24 hours before it starts to really wear off. And maybe it'll start, you know, we're getting now to the 24-hour mark now, and maybe it'll do it. But I have a hard time telling, okay, no, take a Percocet just for fun. I'm not doing that shit. I just can't. I don't even want to take it in the first place. So you, she is right. Whenever the pain starts and then I feel like taking the Percocet, it's going to take a little bit for the Percocet to catch up to the pain. I understand that. But I'm almost willing to do that just so I don't have the extra drugs in my system when I don't need it. Because last night was a perfect example. Oh, no, you should take one before you go to sleep to make sure you sleep throughout the night. Well, guess what? I didn't have to take it and I slept throughout the night. So that's kind of the way it goes. All right, let's do it. Let's rock and roll. We unleash the wolf pack. We unleash the wolf pack as we get the latest in the NFL and the Miami Dolphins with our KSDT CPA Pro Football Report with NFL Network Insider Cameron Wolf. KSDT is one of South Florida's largest and one of the country's fastest growing accounting firms. KSDTCPA is a full-service firm that also excels in crypto. Visit them at KSDTCPA.com or call 305-670-3370. Here's NFL Insider, Cameron Wolf. All right, all right, all right. How you feeling, my man? You feeling good? Uh-oh, uh-oh. No, 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 I don't smoke anymore. I'm tired of awaking on the floor. No, 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 please, it only makes me sneeze. Nothing, 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 nothing. We got nothing. We got nothing for sale. Nothing. History of the world, part one. Rats. We got rats. Rat soup. Ratatouille. So, anyway, what can I tell you? We do it all for France. Oh, man. I remember when that came out, I was dying for History of the World Part Two. Holy shit. The Star of David ship for Jews in space may be the coolest spaceship I have ever seen in my life. Just want you to know that. Mel Brooks, no, he didn't come up with it right away. It's a shame. Anyway, that's that's a whole other story, a whole other yeah. show. Yeah, but finally. There we yeah. go. There we go. There we go. Where, where do they have your ass now? You're in uh, you're in uh, Vegas? I'm in, I'm in New York, actually. I just hosted Good Morning Football this morning. It's oh. actually re-airing right now. So I'm up here in the next few days uh, hosting Good Morning Football. So I just got back. We end at 10. So just hopped in the hotel and uh, chatting with you. So that's been my morning. Um, where were you leaning to in the uh, Super Bowl? Um, the 49ers are the better team to me, talent-wise. Um, it almost feels like they are due, but I cannot pick against Patrick Mahomes. I think that, you know, I, and it almost gets to the point where I feel like everybody's shifted to the – the Patrick Mahomes chief bandwagon. And I, I don't like to be on the side where everyone is. 
Uh, but at the same time, I don't like to be on the side against Patrick Mahomes. I was uh, that was me, that was me two weeks ago. Right. I was yes. I was laughing at everybody picking Baltimore. Yep. Everybody picking Baltimore. And and also oh, you want to give me three and a half points. I'll right. take it. You want to give me now four. I'll take it. You want to give me four and a half? That's let's go, baby. Let's go. You're giving the best player in the world points. Let's go. Let's go. And right. I am not betting against Pat Mahomes. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, I'm not betting against Chris Jones, who's the Pat Mahomes of defense. Okay. Because right. right. there's nobody, not even Boza, nobody wrecks a game like Chris Jones. No, well, the guy for the Rams. I'm sorry. I left him up. That's that's wrong on my part. First him, then Jones. Okay. Right. Right. And then Jones. But there is nobody on the field. Boza does not affect the game. He is great, but he doesn't affect the game like Chris Jones has. That guy's a game wrecker. So I am I'm going with Andy Reid. I'm going with Chris Jones, and I'm going with Pat Mahomes. And by the way, I think a motivated Kelsey. Because as I've been telling Matt Verderam, who's our insider on Wednesdays and a big KC insider, you know, he, he, he thinks, you know, oh, uh, he's, he's coming more to my side now. He's starting because he was at first with the whole, oh, he's got two years left. This guy's in love. Uh -huh. This guy is going to play like a madman on Sunday because he wants to do the John Elway thing and he wants to walk out into the sunset with that championship. You know what I mean? I, I think that's what's going to happen. I really do. I really do. I think so. So the underrated storyline, I guess, in this game for me is like, I think rightfully so everybody's talking about Patrick Mahomes. And then the other side is Brock Purdy's incredible run coming back from what he is. Right. Um, I think there is not enough talk about how dominant this Chiefs defense is. I think that that to me is one of the more underrated elements. Like I think publicly people would tell you, uh, just based off looking at the teams on paper, they thought the 49ers had a better D, uh, pause, defense, um, because of Nick Boza, because of Fred Warner, because of all the pieces that we know name-wise, Javon Hargrave. Like, the Chiefs don't have as much name value beyond Chris Jones on that defense for a, a household audience. But I'll tell you what, ask the Dolphins about their defense. Ask the Ravens. Ask the Dolphins about their secondary. That's what's elite. Right. It's and the ask them about game. their secondary. Ask the Ravens about their secondary. Ask the Steelers or who else do they play the first week? Uh, whoever they played the first week, ask them about their uh, the Dolphins. The Dolphins. And ask the Dolphins. Ask the Bills. Right. They ragdoll Tyreek Hill, dude. They yes. ragdoll the Yes, absolutely. Duffy and, and Bird, they are the best secondary in the playoffs. Right. Period. Yes. Not the Super Bowl, not the Super Bowl, the playoffs. They were right. the best secondary, and that's why that defense is so special because Chris Jones and the boys up front, they've been doing their job. But they, they, they let me tell you something, Kansas City got their asses kicked a couple of years ago when Mahomes was all over on the floor, right? And they said, we got to fix the offensive line. Next year, they fixed the offensive line. They struggled with their secondary a couple years ago. They said, no, no, we got to fix this secondary. And two years ago, they had one of the better drafts in the NFL in years to find a couple of secondary guys, and they turned their secondary around like that, dude. They And, and watch, this coming offseason, they're going to go find Mahomes a couple of extra weapons too. They attack a problem 
like nobody's business, dude. Prop to the Chiefs. That's why they went back and fixed their line and won the Super Bowl. Now they fixed their secondary, and they're going to win a Super Bowl. That's just kind of the way it is, man. The second is what's made them special. I'm with you. Um, Legereus Need, Trent McDuffie, two of the best pair of corners um, in the league. And what I love about both of those guys Physical. is their, their physicality. A lot of times these days, corners aren't physical anymore. They don't want to tackle. They want to get picks. And I, I, I don't blame them because interceptions make you money. I give me a pair of corners that not only play great coverage, but will stick their nose in there to stop a stream that will uh, pop a pop a running back coming around the edge too lackadaisical, that will press a receiver on a line of scrimmage and get their timing off on a route. Uh, I, I think that that pair of corners, I can't wait. Like the matchup, everybody, I'm excited to see. Everybody's going to talk about, you know, maybe Patrick Mahomes this or Brock Purdy that. I can't wait to see how Legereus Steed and Trent McDuffie go against the the quote unquote physical receivers of the 49ers, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Who's the tougher pairing? Because Debo's got his name nickname for a reason. We know he only plays one level physicality. And Brandon Ayuk has been one of the best receivers in football this year. Uh, incredible recovery from him, kind of from the Kyle Shanahan doghouse to nearly 1,500 yards. He's physical in the past game and run game two. Which bunch can be more physical? The the Chiefs corners or, or the 49ers receivers? To me, that's going to have a huge impact on this game. And the last thing I'll say here about the Chiefs defense, C. Spagnola, um, is, it was an incredible hire for them. And he's probably having his best year as a coordinator. He's He's, he does a great job of scheming up what they're going to do on a given basis, uh, disguising coverages to the perfect timing. And every single game I see the Chiefs defense, I can't remember them ever being unprepared or not ready. That's that's coaching. That's 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 uh that's that's coaching. And so to me, that Chiefs defense is going to end up being a key story in this game. I agree. I agree. This is why for years I've always had this discussion with people. You know, they say, oh, Dion's the best ever. And I'm like, okay, that's fine if you want to. But I'll take Rod Woodson every day of the week and twice on Sundays over Dion Sanders. And it's because of what you just said there. Rod Woodson was going to cover you, okay? Just as good pretty much as Dion. Or if you want to say Dion's a hair better, that's fine. But Rod Woodson's going to knock your dick in your sock, too, at the same time. So that's the difference there. And that's where give me Rod Woodson, give me Ronnie Lott, Okay, I know Deion Sanders is great, but you can have him. Give me, give me the corner that is physical and can cover. That's the dog I want, and they found two of them, dude. And that is that's some impressive stuff. All right, let's get to the uh, dog. Speaking of Rod Woodson, we had Rod Woodson interview on our show uh, for Good Morning Football this morning. He's uh, so looking great. And, he's a uh, he's, he's a monster and a half. He's so good. He switched over to safety. Yep. It's just incredible play. I, I can't say enough about Rod Woodson, how good that guy is as a player, how great that guy was as a player. I it's mean, hard to call a Hall of Famer underrated, but he is an underrated Hall of Famer. Like, I don't think he's mentioned enough among the top DBs ever, and uh, he deserves to be in that conversation. Oh my god, yes, please. I watched the man, both him and Carnell Lake, bro. Carnell Lake was a hell of a player. Yep. And also play and then switched over to safety also. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, the skill set that those guys had, uh, but Rod Woodson was special and a half, dude. I mean, that's as good as it gets. All right, let's get into 
your uh, your thoughts on the Anthony Weaver hire overall? I like the hire. Um, I have covered a number of Ravens games this year. I got a chance mm-hmm. to talk to Weaver a few times in pregame. I'll tell you what, Dolphins fans are going to really like his energy. The energy he brings, the – I don't want to say opposites because, you know, Vic had a lot of positives too, but I think it's opposite style in that Weaver's going to be a high-energy, getting the mix during practice guy. Like one thing about Vic, Vic was very hands-off during practice. He let the guys do his thing, and then he'd correct later in film room. Weaver's going to get there on the pads with you. He's going to get on the sled and say, hey, this is how you do it. If you're not doing it right, get off the sled type guy. He's that type of coach. Um, And I think that you're going to see him relate to players better, which I think is going to be important. What I am curious to see is is what scheme he runs of his own. Do do they assimilate a lot to the Vic Fangio scheme they've run previously? Or does he create an iteration of his own? Um, Because, you know, obviously there's the Ravens scheme that they ran under Mike McDonald um and his kind of element of there that they've run with you know a few different coordinators whether it be Markendale and then Weaver had his own defense Texans that didn't go great the personnel wasn't great and so my big question for him is what does it look like schematically wise because as far as like personality and how he relates to the players I don't think that that will be an issue at all I think he's going to get the most uh out of these guys and I think they're going to respond well to him well, I uh, I like the hire to me, but but again, I don't think that uh, defense has been an issue for the first two years under McDaniel. I think Josh Boyer was fine. Uh, I, I I think Vic Fangio did his job. I'm I'm more worried about the offense and the play caller and and uh, the unorganization and the lack of discipline. You know, I'm I'm more worried about the the, the head coach. You know, overall now. What did you think of Joe Barry? Because I thought that was very interesting, very smart. Weaver has never been a defensive coordinator. Uh, Joe Barry's been a defensive coordinator for several years now. The last three were Green Bay. I, I, I thought bringing in him as a linebacker's coach and a sounding board for Weaver, I, I find it to be freaking genius, by the way. Yeah, I'm always a big fan of of um, sort of younger coaches bringing in former you know vets for, who've done their job before um, as a guiding as a guideline for them. Like um, lean on somebody when you have questions because inevitably you're going to have a question of what what happens when this. I've got a player who's doing this. How do you adjust that? He can lean on Joe Barry in that respect. I know a lot of people are going to trip about Joe Barry's success or lack of success in Green Bay. He didn't have a great run as defense coordinator there, but he did have a great run as a linebacker coach. And he can also share. How did our offensive line coach do who sucked at the University of Miami and also got ripped? Absolutely. Usually in Denver on the way out. Okay. I mean, every situation is different. Okay. So, you know, as, uh, you know, we we can't go by that, bro. Right. We just can't go by that. Yeah. Every situation is different. I think that, you know, because of Joe Barry's connections to a lot of the places that that Mike's been, there will be a little bit more of a uh, a seamless relationship in that respect. Like he's been he's coached under Sean McVay. He's coached under Matt LaFleur, like two of uh, Mike's best friends and, and coaching mentors. And so I think that a lot of times last year, what people didn't see behind the scenes was there was maybe a lack of connection 
between all of the coaches. There's different you're you're merging different styles of coaches, which is fine in essence, but only if they work and collaborate together. And I don't know if they fully had that this year. I think you'll have last year. I think you'll have more of that this year. Now they got to make it work. And I, I'll tell you this, like I warned Dolphins fans. I said this before. I think this is going to be a tough offseason. I think that, you know, they can come back in April when they're back on the field and it may look worse roster wise because of some of their salary cap decisions. So they will lean more on the coaching staff to get out of the young players and develop young players, which is why I think they made some of the hires they did. Development will be key more than, uh, than just scheme and, 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 and those type of things. And so you, how do you get Cam Smith to, to look like a starting level corner? How do you get, you know, is there any hope for Channing Tindell? Can he play a role in this defense? Can a coach get that out of him? You know, th these are things that are going to be key uh, parts of this new coaching staff's regime because you're not going to have the the money to be able to spend on big, splashy free agents this offseason. And so um, I'm eager to learn that element, but I'm also not going to overreact and have a huge take of, you know, Anthony Weaver is going to take this team to a top five defense. We don't know yet. And it's fine to say that we don't know and we're kind of eager to see. Yeah, I'm I'm not nearly as worried. They've got a lot of places that they can pick up a lot of cash and get flexibility. I think it gets uglier for them. Next year gets harder, and then two years from now is going to be near impossible. Two years from now is the hell that the Ravens and the Bills are now going to be in as their quarterbacks' real contracts kick in. That's when it comes to real, real limitations. I think they'll be crafty enough. And what I like about this trifecta is they can find talent. So I'm, I'm, I'm just not worried that much about that. The, the front office does an excellent job of finding talent. And, and you know what, you know, Cam, I, I got you know the Dolphin Nation because media doesn't give a shit in general, but the Dolphin Nation has got to get over the whole Vic thing, dude. The old man was at a part in his life, a, a moment in his life where. It's about him now, and he's done a lot, and he's traveled a lot. And he's been everywhere, and the guy didn't really want to be here, and he a job opened up that was closer to his family, and he's kind of at the end of his run, and this place wasn't necessarily a perfect fit for him. The money was, and, you know, and I think he had somebody on the west coast of Florida, right? I think his mom, right, or yeah. something. North, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? So he had somebody here, in the, if I remember right, the main part of his family and where he's at in his life and all that. Everyone's going to get there, dude. Everyone is going to get there, dude, at one point or another. You know what I mean? A lot of people tell me all the time, oh, I miss you on radio. Well, I have no interest to be on radio. Right. Not whatsoever. I'm at a point in my life. Where I don't want to answer to people anymore. And especially to people that most of the time I used to answer to people that have never done my job, have never broken a story, have never built up a, a relationship with teams or players or businesses, have never, have never even run a show, have never built an audience, have never even connected with sponsors. The things that I have to do in order to survive, most of the people that have been my bosses, they've never done that. Yep. That's what I deal with. And by the way, that's the kind of shit you deal with, I'm sure, throughout your career. You got people right. telling you what to do when they like, wait a minute, dude. When did you break a fucking story? Right. When, 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 you've done what I've done, right? I'm sure I'm not telling you to say it publicly, but in your mind, you have faced a boss that you're like, 
this guy doesn't know what I do for a living, bro. You know what I mean? And so it's just, that's where Vic is. And I think we all got to understand that and just kind of let it go, dude. He is, you know, he's set in his ways. Move on from that. All right. Uh, The other thing I uh, wanted to ask you about is um, this offseason. Why are you so concerned when you can create a lot of space with X in June, with Agba gone, with Tua getting a new contract and cutting down that money, with uh, Christian Wilkins is gone. That's a lot of money that's going to be cleared off the book. Cedric Wilson will not return. So there's another $6 million that opens up for next year. So you start to look at all the money that's going to be available why are you so worried about flexibility? Because I don't think that I don't think that's a concern at all this year. I'm not worried about flexibility as far as um, the elements you're talking about. I'm talking about how do they improve this roster with the lack of uh, cap space they will have. Um, the guys you mentioned, although maybe they're cut for a reason, are still key contributors. You lose a Christian Wilkins. That's yeah. a huge cog of your defense. And so you're saying, oh, it opens up space. Well, you're going to have to replace them. What are you going to replace a Christian Wilkins with? You talk about Xavier Howard. Right. We talked about this. If he doesn't take a, a notable pay cut, he's probably gone, which I don't think he's going to do. You still got to replace an Xavier Howard. I know some people say, oh, he's getting older. He wasn't the same guy. He's still a starting level corner, and you don't have another one of those on your roster. Uh, you, you trust in Cam Smith, who you hadn't seen play all I don't, season I don't yet? I don't know yeah, what to trust. That's a bold thing for a team ready to win to trust a second round corner who hadn't played a significant snap on defense all all his rookie year. And so, you know, what are we what are we doing here? You talk about you know Mangle Ogba being gone, and yes, he he's he wasn't used well in Vic Bangio's scheme. But you got two edge rushers and Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb coming off serious injuries. Who knows when they're back themselves again? And so these are huge questions. I just don't think you have the money to be able to answer. Now, you're going to have to hope you draft and develop that you maybe find some lower-end free agency fits to make it work. But that's a lot of hope and wishing. And to me, that's just to get back to the level that you were this year. Not to get better. That's just to get back to that level. And so, to me, that's what the concern is, most of it on the defensive side of the ball. Um, as far as key, like you talked about, you like the defense. Well, you've got to figure out how to keep that talent and or improve that talent to get back to that level. So to me, that's why I'm 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 concerned. And then also remember this: these guys got to get paid, right? You're gonna to have to pay a Robert Hunt, right? Like a lot of your money's gonna go to keeping some of your own guys. Your Robert Hunt, your Tua Tunga Bailoa. Soon Jalen Waddle's gonna be up. Soon Javon Holland is gonna be up, right? And so a lot of these core pieces, you're looking, you know, Jalen Phillips at some point. So you're gonna to have to take care of these guys while still figuring out how to improve your roster. I think that this team is definitely gonna be in a period where they're they're having a, a little bit of uncertainty, trusting guys who we haven't seen do it, which is what my concern is. Yeah, although the Jalen Phillips of the world will not be getting paid for a while. Uh, Jalen Phillips is what, 2020, 2020, 2020? Yes. He's got one more year and a tag, right? He's he, he's going to get get a decision on his fifth-year option. Which is probably, year. Yeah. yeah. And, and, he, and he'll be tagged uh, probably for next year, some kind of a tag. That's You're still, not the number's still going up. 
this number is still going up because the tag number is, is 20 million for edge rushers. That's, yeah. that's like yeah. on the books. It may not be a franchise tag. Right. But I'm saying like your fifth year option number, your your these are like straight 15 million to 20 million straight direct on your cap. These aren't like these aren't the extensions where you're seeing, hey, two, three million a year one, then it goes up. A lot of times when you're tagging these guys and playing them on their fifth year option, that number is just a straight one year big block. And so I know, they're screwed. They can't give them a long term contract. Right, I hear you. That's what that's what the balance is, right? That you got guys coming up on the bulk of their deal. You know, Tyreek Hill, you're going to see a huge cap number coming up on him starting soon. Bradley Chubb, same thing. You have the Teron Armstead. If he doesn't retire, you have a Teron Armstead decision because he's going to have a big cap number. And he retired, you know, yeah. and, and he has a big cap number. You're going to say, okay, do we keep him? Which uh, he's one of the best left tackles in football when he's healthy. Actually, they need, actually, you know, the cap number. They, yeah. they actually need him to come back this year. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not it's a good option. your cap regardless, right? And Even so, if Sam can play the entire season next year and play great at left tackle, it creates a, that. Re, now, that's a financial problem there. They actually, it, it's actually better for the Dolphins to have them on the books then be forced to get them off the books. That be, that creates an even bigger problem for it. They have enough shit to deal with this offseason. They really don't need the Armstead. Believe it or not, folks out there, they really don't need an Armstead retirement right now. They need an Armstead retirement another year or two, but not right now. I hear you, man, for sure. Yeah. For so. sure. All right. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting. Follow him on Twitter at Cameron Wolf. Catch his work at the NFL Network, and you can catch him now at Good Morning Football. You'll be on, what, the rest of the week? Yep. Next two days I'll be on, so the rest of the week uh, from 7 to 10 a.m. here from uh, from New York, and we'll have a rear. Like, there's a rear airing right now. So you'll if you're if you're not an early riser, you can see it again from 10 to 1 um, that we tape it after. So, yep. You got it. Good stuff as always, Cam. Appreciate you, my brother. Hang in there in a cold ass New York, my friend. Okay. We will we'll do. We'll do. We'll talk uh, later on in the week on Friday. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks. Got it. There you go. Cameron Wolf, baby. And reach out to our friends at KSDT CPAs. They know how to get it done. We were actually going to be there this morning uh, broadcasting from there, but yeah, we had a little change of plans. Uh, and, you know, coming off an operation, that was actually a good move for me that I didn't have to be there. But uh, listen, when it comes to personal taxes, business taxes, especially for business taxes, you know you need that guidance all year long. They are a top 200 firm by Forbes, top 200 tax firm by Forbes. So reach out to the great people at KSDT CPAs, 305-670-3370. And they've got offices in Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. They're hiring, and they opened up an office now in Charlotte, North Carolina. They continue to expand. In fact, they're already working on another expansion in another city, and they're hiring there, too, in Charlotte, North Carolina. So use that number right there, 305-670-3370, if you're looking for work. And if you need somebody to do your personal taxes or business taxes, you can use that QR code, or if you're listening to the podcast, 305-670-3370. Our number two is next. Matt Verderam, baby, kicks it off.
Folks, you can support the hardest-working sports talk show in South Florida through Cash App or Venmo. Just search Cash Big O Show. Support us through Cash App or Venmo. Cash Big O Show. We thank you for your incredible support. Right, all right. There he is, ready to go. How you feeling, my man? You feeling good? I am feeling good. How are you? Very good. Can't complain. Just uh, recovering now. Be an interesting six weeks for me, so we'll uh, we'll get through it as always. Little little uh, surgery, little foot surgery yesterday, so oh. got it done. Wear and tear after fifty-seven years, it happens. Um, let's uh, let's get into a, a little. Uh, first of all, Dolphins wise, what'd you think of the Anthony Weaver hire? Um, I I think it's a good hire. I think it's a good hire. He's uh, look, I think he's a coach who. There's not only upside in the sense that he's a guy who has some experience, but also uh, comes in and I think gives a fresh perspective uh, to a to a unit that look has had a lot of change over the last couple of years. And so uh, I think it's about finding stability, and I think that Weaver is a guy who can come in and provide some of that for the Dolphins. So I, I overall I thought it was a good hire. Yeah, uh, to me, the only the, the one thing I've been telling everybody, I didn't have a problem with Josh Boyer. I didn't have a problem with Vic. I have a problem more with Mike McDaniel. So something tells me that this Anthony Weaver thing is is going to be just fine. Plus the move of hiring Joe Barry, right. who's been the defensive coordinator the last three years in Green Bay and in other places, to be the linebackers coach and run coordinator and sounding board, I think, for an Anthony Weaver. I thought that was actually, to me, that was the genius move out of all of it because – I love what Weaver brings and his potential and all that good stuff and where he comes from and all that. But it's always good to have those young coaches have some guidance. And I thought that was actually a nice hire. I really do. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Barry was the hire of a lot of people's uh, feelings in Green Bay as the coordinator, but he's not the coordinator of Miami. And so I think that's good to have that experience on staff. Um, you know, it, it gives you somebody to kind of lean on if you're stuck or maybe you're feeling a little bit like you don't exactly know which way to go in a certain game plan, you have that experience. You have a guy who's been there, who's done that. So I agree with you. I think you know, Barry as a D coordinator would scare the hell out of me. Barry as a position coach, I think is, is a very smart hire. Yeah. Although I don't know about that because the offensive line coach, Butch Barry for the dolphins was terrible at the university of Miami and when he left Denver to come to Miami, because Mike knows him, he he was so ripped over there in Denver by so many people. And then comes here and does a marvelous job. You know, Austin Jackson turns his career around and all that kind of stuff. And they had backups to backups actually doing serviceable things here on the offensive line. And he just did a marvelous job. Out of all the position coaches, I think most Dolphin fans will tell you that he was the best position coach out of all of them, and he was the guy that was killed. So sometimes, you know, you just can't go by that. Sometimes you're in the wrong spot. You're at the wrong time. You had bad luck, injuries, whatever it is. Sure. Maybe you also had politics that were getting in the way of you doing your job, too. You, you've been inside this business for a while. You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you're put in a position to fail as a player or as a coach or whatever, and it's just something that sometimes is out of your control, but the public doesn't know about it. Yeah. I, you know, look, I think sometimes 
there's definitely, first of all, there's definitely truth in that. Secondly, um, you know, a lot of times you, know, you can have a good coach who just the personnel's not there. The scheme isn't right for the guys who he's inheriting. It takes a couple of years. You don't have a couple of years in the NFL. You know, that's why I always laugh when, you know, it's a lot of these people who are like analytics heavy who are like, well, you know, if you just if you just acquire picks and you accumulate picks for three and four years, it's like, yeah, great. You know what's going to happen? You're going to be fired. This is the national football. This is Madden. Like you don't have 10 years to, to figure it out. And so I do think sometimes, yeah, you've got to kind of come into a situation where you either have the ability to get a lot of new players and turn around quickly, or you walk in where there are guys already in place who can play your scheme. Because if you've got to kind of wait on that, it's tough. It's very tough. Yeah, yeah I'm with you there. How you feeling uh, about your boys this week? Because I'm feeling good, bro. I've, I've already bet it twice. I bet it at one and a half, and I bet it at two. I'm doing the same thing I did two weeks ago. You want to give me points? Let's go. I'm going to keep I'm going to keep doubling my bet every time you add a half a point or a point. Thank you very much. Uh, that's the way I'm looking at it. I know San Fran's a hell of a team. I think KC right now is just the best player in the world, got the perfect balance, and has got the defense to stop San Francisco. So I'm, I'm going KC here, bro. How you feel? I normally get the Chiefs. I mean, look, 30 years of being beaten down by that franchise before my home showed up. I, I've, like, I've become just pessimistic no matter what happens. I actually think the Chiefs are going to put it on San Francisco pretty good in this football game. I've felt that way all week. Um, I I think two, really for two reasons. One is – I just don't know that the 49ers have the goods to stop Mahomes if they don't get pressure on him relentlessly in this game. I mean, I I love their linebackers. Who doesn't, right? Warner's amazing. Greenlaw's a very good player. Jesus Christ. But, but, like, after that, I mean, that secondary, they play a lot of zone. They can be had. Like, you can throw the ball on the 49ers. This isn't a secret. Right. When I look at them up front, this is not the team that got the Super Bowl a handful of years ago where you had Buckner inside and Armstead in his prime. You had D Ford and he was playing well. And you had Bosa, who was unbelievable. I mean, Bosa still remains unbelievable. Chase Young has not been good this year. I mean, boy, go watch the tape. He's not played particularly well. Eric Armstead is still a good player. He is not the player who was five years ago. And Hargrave is, is the guy that is that secondary pass rusher. But the Chiefs are strong inside. So, like, I look at the game and I think, look, if they double Bosa, they chip Bosa, it becomes very hard for the Niners, who do not blitz, to get a lot of pressure. And if Mahomes knows what you're doing, I don't care what you do, he's going to torch you. Like, if he is able to sit back there and look at what he is expecting to see and throw that football, it's a problem. The other side of it is, I just think Spagnolo against Purdy's a mismatch in the game. I do. I think he can confuse them. I think the Niners are going to try to counteract what they know is coming, which is going to be a ton of pressure by getting the ball out quickly. The Chiefs have two corners in McDuffie and Snead, who are two of the best tackling corners in the NFL. They, they had each had 60 solo tackles this year. They are not afraid to climb up and make a play. They are very good in coverage. It is the strength of their defense. Most teams play the Niners with zone, and they back up. The Chiefs are not going to back up, and they're not going to play zone. They're going to play press man. They're going to get on the line of scrimmage. They're going to bracket Kittle. They're going to play one-on-one against Ayuk and Samuel, and they're going to say beat us. And if McCaffrey wants to rush for a buck twenty-five, they don't care. I, they're not going to care because their their whole thought process is going to be you're not beating us over the top, and every time you score, it's going to be 12, 15 plays. And at some point, we're going to get a stop on McCaffrey, and it's going to be second and long, and that's when the drive ends because they've been great at that all year. I do think the Niners have a ton of talent. Could they win the game? Absolutely. 
I just think the matchups specifically, a lot of them favor right. Kansas City. Yeah, I, I think so. And that's because of the secondary. Yes, it is. Secondary is going to make it hard on their superpower, yeah. which is Purdy and that and that perfection passing game that he is deadly accurate. He is on time, right? And his guys know how to get open. But if you have Bird and McDuffie playing at a high level and physical, I just think it doesn't allow you to get in that groove. And as long as that line doesn't allow McCaffrey to go crazy, right. I just don't think Sam Fran is going to store, score as many points as, as Kansas City when it's all said and done. And I think Kelsey's going to have the game of his life. And I would not be surprised, by the way, Rasheed Rice also have a monster game considering the secondary he's facing. Yeah. I, look, the one thing in this game that's weird, I think, from a national perspective, and, and and I get why, but if you actually look at it, it's just it's a fallacy. There's all this talk about this week about how the Chiefs, well, what are they gonna, how are they gonna block the Niners? What are they gonna do? The Niners defensive front this year has not been great. I mean, Joey, like in Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa is incredible. Ten yeah. and a half sacks, but like an ungodly amount of quarterback hits and pressures. I mean, he's he's a top three defensive player in the league. Okay. It's amazing. After that. Like Hargrave's been good, but you can run the ball relentlessly on them up front. They do not. They, I mean, and, and that goes for Bosa and Chase Young, by the way, who on the edges, they are so aggressive. You can run underneath them. And I guarantee you in this game, Andy Reid is going to use their aggressiveness against them. They're going to run a million different looks to slow down those edge rushers. And they're going to say, listen, if you want to be overly aggressive and shoot up the field a thousand miles an hour, that's great. We're going to hit you with Pacheco on counters and we're going to hit you with screens and all these different things. But I, I think the one thing in this game is the Chiefs are better on both sides of the ball up front. Like if you really look at the game, the Chiefs have Chris Jones up front. They have Carl Loftus up front. They didn't they do not have a Menahu, which is a loss, but they have Mike Dan who had seven and a half sacks this year. On the offensive line, the Chiefs are missing Tooney, which is a big loss, but Al Grady comes in, he's a good player, is backing him up. They have Humphrey, they have Smith. The Niners up front have Trent Williams and a lot of question marks on that offensive line. I don't like. I'm not saying Chiefs have a massive advantage up front, but I think at worst it's a push. And if it's a push for the Niners in this game up front, they got a problem. I'm sorry, is Trent Williams blocking Chris Jones? He's not blocking Chris Jones. Oh, that's a major problem because yeah, I mean this is <laughs> and this is special to block Chris Jones, okay? Because outside of Aaron Donald, there is nobody more nastier than Chris Jones. By the way, to back up your point, yeah. I just pulled it up. Nick Boza has the 10 and a half sacks. Nobody has more than three and a half sacks after that. It's just, it's a problem for them. Like, let's Trent just, has two and a half. Uh, Greenlaw has one and a half. Uh, Clennon Farrell, former Raider reject, has three and a half. And Kinlaw has three and a half. Like, you don't really have another sack artist. Nobody else. Well, Har Hargrave, Hargrave has seven. Does he have seven? I don't see it. Where Hargrave is has seven and Armstead has five. Oh, I saw. There it is. Yeah, Javon Hargraves does have seven. So well, Hargraves the guy. Now look, the, but the, again, the only the other guy. with the Chiefs, like their interior offensive line is their strength. So I yeah. think they can handle. And that that's to, again, it's matchups. Styles make fights in the NFL. Yeah. If you're, it, I guarantee you, what the Chiefs will do, and everybody listening to this, you watch it, you can remember this, burn it in your brain. They are going to walk linebackers up to the line of scrimmage. Because they are going to force the Niners to block Chris Jones one-on-one -on -one in this game. And they are going to say, here it comes. And they're going to line Jones up over everybody not named Trent Williams. 
and just relentlessly go at him. Colton McKivich is their right tackle. He has struggled this year. I guarantee you they are going to put Chris Jones on Colton McKivich every third down. And they are going to sit there and they are going to walk guys up so that McKivich doesn't have any help. And they're just going to go after him. And they're going to put Carl Loftus on the same side. Look, none of this is foolproof. There's obviously ways to counter that. You can put a back in. You can do different things. Like, I get all that. I just think the matchups in this game, the Niners are used to being able to get a lot of easy yards. A lot of, hey, throw it outside to Samuel. Throw it outside to Ayuk. And we can play pitch and catch, soft zones, bad tacklers on the outside. The Chiefs are not going to do that. They are going to climb up to the line of scrimmage. And I guarantee you in this game, they are going to make Bill Vinovich make the calls. They are going to play this like it's a boxing match. Ask Tyreek Hill. They're going to get up on the line, and they are going to try to press them. Wasn't that wrestling? A little bit of that, too. I mean, and this has been something they've done for years. I remember vividly in 2020, they played the AFC title game against the Bills for the the, uh, COVID year. Stephon Diggs went up against Brashad Breeland. And Brashad Breeland in that game, the first quarter took three penalties to the line of scrimmage. And the rest of the game, Diggs did nothing. They, I mean, it, it just became, look, call it. Call it every play. We don't care. And right. Belichick used to do that to the Chiefs when they had Hill and Cal- Belichick did that all the time. That's where they got it from. They will do that in this game. They will get up on the line and they will Especially go after Ayuk and Debo and they'll make them call. Remember when they picked up Browner also because Browner was known yes. for – like He was like a linebacker. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was like you, you call it. I mean, at some point if you're an official – you're not going to call it on every play. You're, you're not going to throw 15 flags in a call. Like they are going to get up on the line and maul them and say, go ahead. Go ahead. Run a route. Run your slant. Try to get all you, – if you want to run a timing pattern, you're going to have a problem. We're going to maul you at the line. The Niners are going to have to figure it out. Well, I would imagine the secret weapon this week, right, Matt, has got to be Kadarius Tony, right, after all those comments this week. <laughs> Andy should be in, enthralled in love with the kid. And oh, he's yeah, probably- sure plugging him in as a starter this week, benching Rasheed Rice, and he's going to throw to Kadarius about 82 times in this game, correct? I mean, I mean, Kadarius really is handling everything just beautifully. Yes, I'm sure that Kadarius Tony is going to be a huge X factor. I appreciate it when asked if he was going to play Andy Reid, said we'll see. Um, I feel <laughs> confident in breaking the news that Kadarius Tony's not playing this week. Um <laughs> I've seen it's, people like you're not, oddly. You're not even on the team. No, it's just, no, no, no. It looks like you're on the team, but you're not even part of the team anymore, bro. They, you may not even know that, but the rest of the world knows that they, nobody in Kansas City wants you anymore, Kadarius. They had a practice. I want forgive me. I think it was last week. It all points together at this point, where they were like doing like different different you know route running and th- just like a just a pass catching drill. And they're showing all these receivers running the same route. And then they like pan over and Kadarius Tony's just off to the side by himself. And I was like, yeah, that pretty much is it right there. It's the same thing. Like, well, Sky Moore, he's limited. Yeah, I got news. Sky Moore's not playing. Like, they, there is no chance. And I've, I've seen a handful of national people who are like me should know this and should know better. I don't care if you're national or not. Like, well, they're going to need him on these jet sweeps. The Niners have been susceptible. Bro, let me tell you something right now. McCall Hardman's getting those jet sweeps. Okay. Of course. And I know Hardman fumbled twice in Buffalo. I get it. Dude, you go with people you trust. Hardman, here's a fun little fact. For anyone who wants to throw a prop bet out there, just to to consider this, they played the Niners last year in San Francisco, regular season game. I believe it was late October. 
They won 44 to 23, the average 9.1 yards per attempt. McCole Hardman in that game had three touchdowns, two of them rushing. They kept handing the ball off to McCole Hardman. He was just ripping off huge chunks of yardage. And I've seen people say, hey, listen, that's fine. But he fumbled twice in Buffalo. They gave Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony three and a half months to figure. You think they're going to bench McCole Hardman after two fumbles? MVS couldn't catch a ball for the whole season. Right the time, guy made the biggest catch of the year. They will give the ball to McCall Hardman. I promise you they're not going to shy oh, away from giving the ball to McCall. Two weeks in a row, the Green Bay kid makes some big catches. Yes. Am I right? They're, yes. Yeah. I mean, they, they are not going to shy. McCall Hardman's been there for five years. They're not going to all of a sudden just go away from him. Believe me, they'll hand him the football. It's the opposite of what's freaking going on. If you've watched the games, actually what's going on, the Kansas City offense has gotten better the entire season. It was a mess at the beginning, yeah. even with even with Kelsey, you know, like because nobody else could catch. All right, let's bracket his ass and we'll make it hard. And 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 then Mahomes was frustrated. Then as the year went on, Rasheed Rice went from possession guy to like, okay, I could be like a number two, number right. one for this team now. And then all of a sudden, the Green Bay kid is making catches here the last two games that you need him to make catches. McCole is, is pitching in. Kelsey is now playing like a monster now. You got the running game that's been consistent the entire year. If you actually look at it, the Chiefs have gotten more dangerous as the year has gone on. And so for you to think about anybody else, Kadarius or anybody else at this point, you're not watching. You're not watching. The coach is telling you, who he trusts. Mahomes is telling you who he trusts, and it ain't those guys. Come on, no. man. Look, it's not I, – I, I, we've probably talked about it here. I know I've said this in other spots of written this. Like, th for the course of a 17-game season, you need to rely on your entire team. right? I mean, no matter who you are, no matter how much you may have star power, like, you've got to rely on the – third, fourth, fifth receivers. It's just, it's the nature of the sport, whether it be injuries or just keeping guys fresh. The Chiefs got to the playoffs and basically looked at their their roster and went, you know what? To hell with that. We need to win three or four games. And we're going to ride these guys like Turcotte on Secretariat, okay? Like it's going to be Rice, Pacheco, and Kelsey. And then all of a sudden, I think almost by accident, like MVS was like, you know what? I remembered I can catch. And now all of a sudden, like, well, what the hell? Throw him the ball. Like, but it's the other three guys, and it's Mahomes. It's just those three guys, a good line, and Mahomes. And it's like, listen, with that defense, it's good enough. Like, we can score 24 points like this, and if we score 24 points, we're going to win. And so I think for the Chiefs, like, everybody always tries to find that other guy. If, they, if their game plan goes away, they want it to go against the Niners. I guarantee you it's going to be Kelsey for a buck 10 and Rice for a buck 20 and Pacheco getting the ball 23 times. And, like, that's how they're going to play. And they're going to hit MBS and Hardman and Justin Watson, like, five times combined. And that's how they're going to go. I mean, that's – they're going to lean on their stars. That's what they do. And I would expect them to do it again this week. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you on that one. It's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. What do you got going on in Sports Illustrated so uh, folks can check you out, my friend? Yeah, uh, matchups to watch as always. I uh, went did a deep dive. It's coming out on Friday this week. I ranked all the Super Bowls from worst to best, which is out already on SI.com. You can check that out. I had a lot of fun with that. That was also kind of hard. 
That was harder than I thought. It wasn't that hard to rank the best, but ranking the worst, ranking the absolute worst, which, by the way, I went with the, the uh, Super Bowl 50. Broncos-Panthers was an atrocity of a football game. Oh, um, God, yes, yes. It was not good. It was Jake Malone, right, and a bunch of interceptions. That what you're talking. Oh, yes. it was it was it was Cam Newton. It was awful. It was it was. Oh, uh, Cam Newton. That's right. Yeah, of that's course. Right. Yeah. yeah, but you it know, was- one game that I like forgot even happened, and it happened in Miami, and it's actually the first Super Bowl that I remember watching. I just completely blocked it out of my mind. Niners Chargers has to be the biggest mismatch in the history of the Super Bowl. I mean, you go look at that Niners team, about a dozen Hall of Famers. You take Junior Seau out of the picture. I don't even know who was good. Like it's unbelievable how did there should be a thirty for thirty on how the Chargers got to the Super Bowl. It's Mark Shay was like the leading receiver, but in any event, um, yeah. So there's that. There's the matchups to watch, um, and then there, there, you know, my, I'll have some reaction from the game on Sunday. And even though it, it came out last week, look, go to New Sands, buy Sports Illustrated. I have a sixteen page spread in there. It's the top fifty most influential teams in NFL history. It's also online uh, in totality. 72 Dolphins, 84 Dolphins making appearances. So go check it out. Yep, go check it out. Our Dolphins are on the list, and he's always on our list. Follow him on Twitter at Matt Verderam and catch his work there at Sports Illustrated. Matt, enjoy the week. Enjoy the Super Bowl, my friend. We'll talk next Wednesday. Take care. Thank you, sir. There you go. The great Matt Verderam. Always appreciate him. And, of course, we always appreciate the great people at Perdomo Cigars, 5150 Northwest 167th Street. They are right there in Miami Gardens. And by the way, you can go to your nearest cigar shop anywhere in the world that you're watching. Ask for it by name. Get the 30th anniversary, the 20th anniversary, the 10th anniversary, the Abano Bourbon Barrel Age, the Lot 23, the Double Age 12-Year Vintage. Absolutely awesome. I love the Maduro in that smoke. It is just absolutely great. Go check it out. Plus, we've got Perdomo lounges around the country in Hoover, Alabama. Cigars and more. Pompano Beach, Smoke In. Steenburg, New York, Smoking Bears Cigars. Uh, in Clarksville, Tennessee, Up in Smoke Cigars. You can find a Perdomo lounge. There you go. Check it out. Perdomo Cigars, baby. Trust it. I do. All right. Uh, let's see. What else do we have going on? Oh, uh, that's why I'm inter Miami. No, can't respond. What are we talking about here? Uh, some homework. Greer, when it comes to bringing talent and players, is not the problem. Selecting a coach might be. His, yeah, yeah. Selecting the coach has been the problem right now for for Greer. That's uh, that right now. If he doesn't get the Greer, the the McDaniel thing right, that's going to be a knock for for all three guys, you know, because obviously Greer, McKenzie, and Allen, they had they had first uh, uh, flow, and then and now McDaniel. That will be a bad look for them. That I can't argue. But talent wise, I love what they're doing. It's the best talent we've had here in decades. Just got to get. Got to get to tweaking a little bit more, and hopefully the coach is the one that figures uh, some stuff out, and maybe you can have a better season next year. Alf says, I like how the Packers and Finns traded coaches and froze out Fangio, who wanted both. Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. You know what I mean? But I have a bigger problem with freezing out 
Andrew Van Ginkle. That's what I need you to do. I need you to freeze out Andrew Van Ginkle and bring his ass back to Miami because Miami needs Andrew Van Ginkle badly next year with the two injuries to Chubb and Phillips. You know, that is, that's the one I'm really worried about, Alf. I don't mind the, I, I don't care about cock blocking for Anthony Campanelli or anything else. That That's fine by me or whatever, you know. Although I will say this, let's, uh, let's talk a little Dolphins here. Um, it is a bad look for McDaniel that he is not promoting from within. Now, McDaniel, and, and you'll see coaches leave when they don't get opportunities. He interviewed, he wanted the job, he didn't get the defensive coordinator job. But here's the problem with Mike McDaniel. He's in a rock and a hard place. He has to nail this hire and get it right because he has to focus on his own stuff. He can't be worried about defense. So if he doesn't feel Campanelli's ready, his job's on the line. Like I told you, this year becomes the hot seat year for McDaniel if he does not figure stuff out. By the end of the year, most of you will want to fire him. If not, if he doesn't get fired, he's going to go into year four on an incredible, we're at a, on a sizzling seat. Put it that way. We've I told you, we've reached the fork in the road already. He's made way too many mistakes over and over again. So in his eyes, he has to nail the hire. If he didn't think Campanelli or Hill or uh, what was it, Slowick, the other guy, if he didn't think they were ready, well, then he's got to go with Weaver. And Weaver looks like a good candidate. But again, this is coming from the guy that didn't have a problem with Josh Boyer that much. Was he great? No. But was he really the problem? No, not at all. In fact, McDaniel was more of the problem and more of the screw-up in his first year. Last year, was Fangio really the problem? I didn't like the Tennessee game. I know that. I didn't like he didn't blitz and get after Lamar. But he wasn't perfect. But was he really the problem? No, it was more Mike McDaniel. So I kind of expect the same shit again this year. I think Weaver will be a fine defensive coordinator he'll do his job is mcdaniel gonna do his job so to me that's what it's all about it's more about the head coach getting his shit together i don't worry too much about this you know i worry about mcdaniel fixing this but i understand the decision he has to make he has to nail this he has to have a great defense because he has to fix himself first and foremost. If he has to also worry about the defense, um, uh, um, uh, 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 it becomes a bigger problem. It becomes a much bigger problem. Okay? So, anyway, it is, it is what it is. As for the cap crisis, there is no cap crisis. Okay, folks, there is no cap crisis. I get it. Some in the media need clicks. Some in the media need views. And they've got to create sensationalism whenever they can. Okay? I'm not about sensationalism. Okay? I might shock you with something, but it's because it comes from fact and what, or what's actually going on in the building that sometimes people don't know what's going on in the building, but we got to kind of straighten that shit out sometimes. OK, uh, for me, I I look at this situation and um, the cap situation for me is very manageable. Is it a challenge? Yes. But it's not 
the cap is not the problem. Okay? The problem is the challenge. See, that's where that's where the language mis, mis, uh, misinforms you, misdirects you, and then makes you an uninformed fan. Oh, we got cap issues. No, they don't. They've got so many places they're going to open up cap space. The challenge is keeping Van Ginkle to keep you afloat while you wait for Phillips and Chubb. Okay? The challenge is making sure that you agree to deals with Rob Hunt and Connor Williams. Okay? The challenge is just re-signing people and getting down to the numbers and all that kind of stuff. It's it's actually trying to figure things out going into next season, but it's not a problem money-wise because people tell you it's cap hell. They have no cap hell next year whatsoever. None. It's very manageable, the numbers. Now, the challenge to find certain talent, you don't have a third, you don't have a fourth. That makes, again, another challenge for you like last year's draft where you didn't have as many picks, and so you get less cracks at college football. So that makes a challenge. And then in free agency, you will be able to do something in free agency. You will have some flexibility, but where do you go in that area? And who's available? We still don't know who's going to be available. We don't know who's going to be tagged, who's not. There's still stuff that we need to find out. But the part that I just want to make sure I reiterate, there is no cap hell. Okay? Or whatever adjective they want to try to describe cap. The cap is easily managed. The challenge is the side of the talent and unearthing that talent. Now, they've been terrific at unearthing talent on a consistent basis, which, again, because of sensationalism, you know, at that moment, let's write a panic article. At the moment, let's do a panic piece on television, on on a podcast or whatever the hell, because let's not put all the facts in. Let's not say, hey, they do find other players undrafted street free agents, free agents. They do find guys that are gems, right? They do bring a Raheem Mostert, and he led the NFL. And they found a Zach Sealer, who who played as good or maybe even better than Christian Wilkins this year, right? So they do find guys. They find an Andrew Van Ginkle in the fifth round, right? I know Cater Kohu had a horrible year. But he was a good find two years ago, and hopefully the kid will get back and maybe they'll play a style that's better suited for him this year. I don't know. But it happens all the time, and we don't mention it. At least, Well, I mention it. What I'm saying is people that talk to you about the challenge, they don't mention these kind of things, right? Because it, it, it then counter... It's counterproductive to their sensationalistic article, sensationalistic piece on television, uh, whatever rant they have on radio or some podcast. However it is, you get your form of information. But why? I'm going to make it all sensationalistic and make it desperate because that's what you want to hear. But I'm not going to then tell you and walk you off the ledge and tell you, hey, there's, oh, it's cap hell. But I'm not going to tell you that you can get rid of excess salary in June. 
You're going to get rid of Ogba's salary. You're going to Christian Wilkins is not re-signing with the team. You're going to uh, give to a new contract. So you're going to open up another 15, 16, 18 million dollars there in space. Uh, Cedric Wilson's not coming back. That's six million more that that you you had against the cap last year. You're not having this year. It, it, there's so many areas. Okay. You're, if you want to go after Derrick Henry like I want, you eliminate the $2 million salary from, from Wilson. That's more salary there. And so it just – they tell you all this, but then they refuse to tell you all the other things that really it's not cap hell. Really, they actually do find talent in other places. It's not just the draft, and it's not just free agency. Sometimes it's street free agency. Sometimes it's undrafted free agents. Sometimes it's a trade. You know what I mean? But some they don't seem to actually talk about that. They just want to tell you that it's going to be terrible because that's what sells. That's what's going to get you to click. Oh, my God, we're going into cap hell. Oh, my God, it's, uh, it's, the, it's the Bermuda Triangle of cap. That's what sells. I don't do this shit for that, bro. I don't. I don't need to. And I refuse to. I've never done it that way. I've never done it at QAM. I never did it at 940 wins. I never did it at 790. I was there before it was the ticket or anything like that, by the way. It's 30, 30 something years ago. Um, what's it called? Uh, I never did it at 640. Uh, where else have I done radio? I mean, you know, all over. And I won't do it here. Not doing that. Just call it like I see it and that's it. Instead of what sells, what kind of dramatic thing can we add to this? Yeah, not my style. Uh, oh, I can pretty much guarantee the new DC will make a hard pitch to Greer for Patrick Queen. I don't know if he does, but I already made my pitch for Patrick Queen. I want Patrick Queen here. Give me Derrick Henry on one side and Patrick Queen on the other. Uh, True Fin Fan, thank you for the love and the super chat. Says, how are you feeling, my brother? I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling really, really good. Um, so I can't complain. The stuff hasn't worn out yet. Still can't feel my toe. So it hasn't worn out yet. Um, it's funny because I, I feel my finger feeling my toe, but my toe doesn't feel my finger feeling the toe. Uh, but thank you for the super chat. As always, remember, you can make a donation through Cash App or Venmo at Cash Big O Show. That is Cash Big O Show, Cash App or Venmo. Always appreciate you all out there. Um, let's see what we got going on market wise. Just out of curiosity, let's see what we got going on. Dow is up 150 points. The S&P is up 31 points. And NASDAQ up a, a tenth of a point. Pretty much. On the crypto side, Bitcoin holding strong over 43,000. Ethereum is up a percent and a half at 2,384. What do we got big in the market? Luvium's up 4% to $76. Um, what else? What else? 
Any big risers? Axelar is up 7%. Love Axelar. Uh, what else? What else do we have going on crypto-wise? Avalanche barely up a percent. Star Atlas had a 10% day, 8% day yesterday, up 5.5% today. So two days in a row where Atlas is pumping a little bit. God, I hope that one takes off. Life will be sweet. Um, let me see what else. Alephium, which I gave you a while back, it's up 10% to $2.18. It's having a good day. It's one of the few. Um, let's see. What else? Game Swift is up 5.6%. Caspa is up 13% for you Caspa nuts out there. Nice to see Caspa bouncing back a little bit here. It's been up so much. Uh, Ando is up uh, almost 4%, up to 24 cents. Somebody gave it to you at 22. Somebody told you about Ando. Shrapnel, very good video game, is up 7.5% to 22 cents. So there you go. There you go. Those are some of the things going on. Uh, by the way, I... Um, I posted something and I want to let me go over it a little bit for you. And I just want you guys to like kind of realize again, not a financial advisor by any stretch whatsoever. But I, uh, I wanted to mention it because uh, I posted it uh, last night and or this morning, depending on what, uh, what service you use. And I want you to understand that when we talk about, you know, uh, people like uh, Grayscale, iShares, uh, Fidelity, ARK Investments, Bitwise, Invesco, uh, Vanek, Valkyrie, Franklin, Wisdom, BlackRock, we're talking about the most powerful investment firms in the world controlling trillions and trillions of dollars. BlackRock alone, I believe, controls nine or $10 trillion. I think it is something like that. Just BlackRock alone. It's not even getting into ARC investments and Fidelity. And we're, we're just getting into so many trillions overall. Okay. So out of the 11 ETFs, and this is including the grayscale dump of the of their BTC fund because people are dumping out of their BTC and then they're reversing and getting into the ETFs. Okay. So um, they have purchased 15, just them, 15,000 Bitcoin in 17 days. You do the math. Okay. All right. So Japan and China are about to activate several ETFs. So they're going to be gobbling up thousands of bitcoin too okay and then saudi arabia india the eu they're getting in the game and they're going to have their own etfs because once america does it everyone else follows suit so they're going to be buying hundreds and thousands of bitcoin a day 900 are mined daily listen to me 900 are mined daily in 70 now today 69 days 
it gets cut to 450. Do the math. Figure it out. This thing is going to skyrocket. Okay. I am not a financial advisor by any stretch. Less than 1.8 million Bitcoin are left to be mined. You can't buy nearly 80% of it because it's gone. People own it already. Okay. Exchanges are at their lowest uh, point since 2018 with Bitcoin and Ethereum. They're running out of it. And as these ETFs grow and they start chewing it up, it'll be less in retail, which is you guys, you and me, we're retail, the average person. So they're going to end up chomping them all up and keeping them all. And the regular human being is going to be left out. Again, I'm not a financial advisor. You do whatever the hell you want. Okay. But I know once it starts hitting 60 and 80 and 100, that's when retail says, maybe I should get in. And they start to FOMO in and then, you know, but now you're FOMOing and now you're buying a lot less Bitcoin for your money. So I'm just saying that you've got to really look at what's going on. And then you see, you know, as I was telling somebody yesterday on Twitter that, you know, was a little confused. Your last four presidents are on pace to print $30 trillion. Okay. Six by George Bush in eight years. Eight by Obama in eight years. Eight trillion by Trump in four years. And there's a good chance Biden gets to eight, maybe even passes Trump. Who knows? So let's just say eight for shits and giggles. That's $30 trillion dollars that have been put out in the market what's the dumbest freaking thing that's out there that exists you idiots out there that think inflation is happening because of one president you people are so stupid it's beyond me okay i i can't even understand or comprehend how you morons think it's on whatever president an elephant or a donkey you're a dumbass all four belong to both parties and they printed $30 trillion. Do you think the value of your money goes up or down, dumbass? What do you think inflation comes from? It comes from printing all that money. You're not better off by having all that money out there. They printed $30 trillion, the last four presidents. Okay? And Amazon and Kmart and whatever places out there, they've already got you paying a price. They're not going to lower their prices. They don't give a shit. And they're going to, and it's, it's because they have killed the value of our dollar. All those presidents, you know, but keep being stupid and not understanding what's really going on. Actually. Meanwhile, Bitcoin is only going up. It goes from zero. No, it didn't go from zero. It was like 14 digits behind zero. 14 digits behind zero, and it's at 43,000. How's your dollar doing? From 1911, what you bought for a dollar cost about $6.70 now. Can't buy what you bought for a dollar for a dollar anymore. Ah, but I can buy a hell of a lot more eggs from zero to $43,000. 
I don't know. Some some of you don't, still haven't figured out that math. Something gains in value. The other one loses because we got morons that just, and they'll print more, and they'll print more, and they'll print more, and they'll print more. A lot of you out there are so lost because you have no understanding of how money is handled in this country. $30 trillion has been printed by the last four presidents. If you think the value of the dollar is strong because of that, you have no clue what you're talking about. Okay? All right, let's get to it, baby. Let's talk a little Miami Hurricanes with the one and only Manny Navarro. The viewpoints, statements, or beliefs expressed on the following program by the host, guests, or callers are not necessarily the opinions of FantasyXS.com, Media Grouping, Ownership Management, Sponsors, or Website. If you're a Miami sports fan, there's only one store to go to. And that's Caneswear at Miami Fanwear in Davie. They're your one-stop shop for all your inner Miami CF, Canes, Dolphins, Panthers, and Marlins merchandise. They have hats, t-shirts, game day jerseys, and so much more. Located at 2655 South University Drive in Davie. And open 24-7 online at caneswear.com or innermiamiwear.com. Call them at 954-835-5597. Caneswear, the spot where inner Miami and all Miami sports fans shop. Time for Canes fans to get what they want. Information, insight, and perspective. It's the Canes Wear Miami Hurricanes Report with Manny Navarro. Exclusively on the Big O Radio Show. Here's Big O and insider Manny Navarro. All right, all right, all right. How you feeling, baby? You doing good? Doing good, oh. Just, uh, you know, off-season. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? News cycle, you, you know, you, this is the type of time when you when you get coaches and personnel and people moving around because of the NFL changes. And but other than that, I'm good coaching soccer, playing pickleball. You know me, brother. Yeah, no, that's good, man. Uh, <laughs> proud of you with the with the pickleball stuff. I got to uh, once I recover, I got to pick up the uh, the exercising. Yep, and uh, do a little bit more of that. I've been trying to eat better and i've been doing that but uh overall yeah i gotta pick up the exercise part of it that'll uh that'll fast track the weight loss is mm-hmm. what i need i've already lost like 16 pounds or something so i'm uh, but i need to i need to lose a lot more baby yeah uh, anyway uh are, are the canes losing any weight anywhere uh <laughs> coaches and, uh, adding coaches what's going on behind the scenes well uh we just finish breaking the story here, but uh, Alonzo Highsmith is headed to uh, New England to join the front office there, reunite with Elliot Wolf. The two of them worked together for a long time with the Packers. Um, you know, Alonzo came back, uh, gave uh, Mario Cristobal two good years, right? Came back to his alma mater. And uh, I thought helped the program in a lot of ways. He was a guy that, uh, you know, the staffers would come to. He was kind of an intermediary. Mario still ran things, but um, Highsmith definitely had input. And uh, and so, you know, we'll have to see who Miami hires as their next uh, general manager of football operations. But those are important roles in college football now. And the more experience you got, the guys that, that have done this at the NFL level that can evaluate elite talent and help with the transfer portal and those kind of things, uh, they're important guys. And so we'll see who Mario hires. I'm personally really happy for Alonzo because uh, I think Alonzo's a pro guy. I don't mm-hmm. believe he's a college guy, to be quite honest. Right. I think 30 years in that business, dude. <laughs> dude I think, look, I've, I've, you know, I've kind of followed everything that's gone on with him. Um, 
he uh, he took this job because he loves the U. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, he's tired of getting dicked by the mm-hmm. NFL. Okay. Right. And he hasn't gotten the opportunity that he has already earned. And nobody's given him a shot to be a general manager. Yep. And so that to me is, you know, and so I think he's now, you know, he knows Elliot and, and both those guys worked their way to a point. And I know Elliot had his dad. So it was almost like, are you just giving him the job because of the name and all that? So he had to fight that throughout his career in Green Bay mm-hmm. land and notice how they never named Ron Wolf's son as the general manager because it was yep. just one of those things. And so now Elliot's had to go elsewhere to go make a name and maybe Alonzo now can use that as a springboard hopefully for himself to finally get a general manager's job uh lord knows i campaigned for him down here uh when there were openings in the past uh and and i campaigned for chris greer by the way also which mm-hmm. i got one of the two you know uh so that's pretty cool but um i'm i'm sad uh that that this has happened to him and right. that he doesn't get the opportunity that he deserves. And uh, I I, uh, I pray and hope that somebody will give Alonzo Highsmith a shot as a general manager in the NFL. I hope well, so. We'll see. I mean, the Patriots are still sort of sorting out what they're doing post-Belichick, right? I mean, they haven't really come out and formally said, hey, these are the guys. So this is kind of the first sign maybe that Elliot Wolf is going to be the guy calling the shots up there from from a personnel perspective for them and and who knows what role i mean they had they didn't say we don't know the exact role alonzo's going to have and you know maybe he is ready to to be a gm and elliot wolf in, in some other capacities at, at a higher level and and how they work together who knows right but uh i mean whatever probably, the case is. i i i'm i'm looking at him as a college director of scouting that's probably right. what's going to happen that elliot's going to be the gm Right. And he'll be the college director of scouting. And then you'll get a pro personnel director of scouting because Alonzo's so good with college. So mm-hmm. my guess is he's going to be the college director of scouting. That'll be my guess. We'll find out now. Right. How they how they come up with the titles, right? Yeah, how they come up with because <laughs> you always need two directors for it because the yeah. job's too big to handle one person for a person pro or or college. You've got to have each person running each side. Cause they all have their own scouts and stuff like that. It's just, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a huge, it's a huge operation. Uh, that would be my guess, but um, okay. Now on the Kane side, I, I don't like I, as much as I love Alonzo Highsmith, Mario Cristobal is such a freaking maniac when it comes to recruiting and all that. I don't think it's going to hurt you in the recruiting side of it. Maybe the management no. and all that. Maybe that's where Alonzo can help out. But I just want to say, at least I don't think it's recruiting. You know more than I do, so you tell me. No, he is ultimately a uh, check-with-me guy, right? Like in the sense where these guys evaluate players, uh, the coaching staff does, the recruiting department does, and they come to Alonzo and they say, what do you think of it? And then Alonzo says, or, and then it gets passed on to Mario, and Mario says, so it's just an extra set of eyeballs, you know, and and there and he got to do a lot more administrative things. I think at a point there was even a thought maybe he's he's an athletic director down the road, that kind of thing. And so he got to sort of learn some other roles with budgets and things that normally you don't do in the scouting department. But, you know, right. is important, obviously, to the college game. So I think he got an opportunity to do those things. Um, but ultimately, as you said, oh, he is an NFL guy. That's where he's put you know, his entire career into and, uh, you know, getting a chance with the Patriots, who knows, maybe this is, 
down the road, there's there's a team, you know, they rebuild the Patriots into a winner. Obviously, Bill Belichick couldn't do it. Uh, that's your ticket, right? That, that's that's my point, that if mm-hmm. he he could go there with Elliott and get the Patriots back to res- respectability and playoffs and stuff like that, not Super Bowls, that what they did, that will never happen again. But, you know, right. if you get them back to playing well in, in, a, in the playoffs and all that, and you find a quarterback or whatever – he's going to get a lot of credit for that. That's why I'm also thinking college director of scouting because that's his best way to get to the NFL. The pro director of scouting is not as good a road as it is in college. College is really the guy that's going to get you that GM job because you've been unearthing talent, and that's the name of the game pretty much. So for me, that's why I think that this is just you know the perfect scenario for him. So if he has success, then people say, hey, man, he was successful at Green Bay. He's now successful with the Patriots. I got to give him a shot now. And hopefully that's what leads Zoe to getting that shot, man. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. He deserves it. Well, uh, I'm sure he'll do well. Mario did hire a running backs coach last night. I don't know if you saw that uh, report as well. I know you were coming off the foot surgery, but they they, they ended up getting uh, Matt Merritt, a guy who uh, comes over from USF, uh, you know, relatively young guy. He's worked with a lot of different running backs and, and, and a lot of different schools, but you know he's kind of viewed as a up and coming co- future coordinator type guy. Um, you know he, he's he was part with Alex Goldish, who's one of the best offensive coaches in college football. He, when Tennessee had their great season, Goldish was the offensive coordinator. Uh, now he did a phenomenal job with USF, and he's kind of been hand in hand here with Goldish the last couple of years. Uh, but before that, uh, you know he was on staffs with uh, Ohio State. Um, you know, he was with, um, you know, power five programs, got a lot of experience, played the position, um, as a division three player. And, uh, you know, now he's coming to Miami and, uh, should be a good addition to the coaching staff, uh, getting an opportunity to, uh, help the running game. All right. Good stuff. What else are you working on in the athletics so folks can uh, check you out, my friend? Yeah, I just, uh, on Monday, I came out with a recruiting thoughts article, uh, actually, a Tuesday. Today's Wednesday. I'm trying to keep track of all my days. So I came out with one yesterday on uh, all the state schools, uh, sort of putting, you know, today's technically the real signing day. Not a lot should happen today with any of the of the of the state's big five schools. Uh, but, you know, if you want to put everything into perspective of what just happened with recruiting, I have a story on the 2025 quarterback recruiting class. We've actually the state of Florida has actually done a really good job producing quarterbacks. If you think of the national championship game, Michael Penix, of course, was one starter. And then J.J. McCarthy, who played for IMG Academy, was the other. So you okay. had both of the quarterbacks played their high school football in Florida. I think we had nine starting quarterbacks at Power Five schools that came out of the state. So for, uh, you know, all the talk about California and Texas and, you know, Florida's finally beginning to produce some some good quarterbacks. Anthony Richardson was a top five pick. He came, came out of a state, you know, Gainesville area high school. So uh, the quarterback position is improving. I'm looking ahead to the 2025 class. If you want to know about those quarterbacks, uh, there'll be an article in The Athletic on that. Uh, but, you know, uh, just – it's the off season, though. This is the time when, uh, when you when you start working all those other projects that you can't do because you're busy covering the team. Sure, and sometimes that's uh, some. You always come up with some interesting stories, yep. so I kind of like that because you always find different angles that we didn't think about, and and people and what they did. Sometimes things that they contributed that we didn't understand. So I, I it's uh, it's good when you get to uh, do a little deep dives like you mm-hmm. do in the 
in the offseason. Follow him on Twitter at Manny underscore Navarro and catch his work there at The Athletic. Subscribe, of course, and support. Manny, as always, thank you, my brother. We will catch up later on in the week. Good talking to you, brother. Talk soon. Sir, there you go. Canesware, use our code. Big O10, you will get 10% off anything and everything with the Canes logo on it, pretty much. They've got Heat gear, Marlins gear, Panthers gear, Inter-Miami, Messi, all that kind of stuff, man. Check it out. Caneswear.com. Big O10. 10% off online or in person. This podcast replay is brought to you by Perdomo Cigars. Check out the retail store in Miami Gardens at 5150 Northwest 167th Street. Plenty of cigar gear and a relaxing lounge. This is the Perdomo way. Okay, now we're better. Okay, it's it's always good to turn on the mic. So there you go. Bring back Ed Reed. It's uh, not a big deal right now at this point. Uh, you've got you've got the recruiter in place that you need. So, you know, but what the hell? Uh, let's see. Uh, Northern California here. Thank you, Jim Rios. Appreciate it. Uh, what else? Uh, our time will come. I have been a fan since Bob Greasy. Only one team will hoist the Super Bowl after Sunday. Relax. Uh, okay. All right. All right. Uh, until Finns prove they can beat physical teams, good teams, and win in cold games, they are going nowhere. Well, they got to also get home, home, home field advantage. That also helps too. Uh, but they got to beat the good teams. There's no doubt about that. Alf says, I've been charting trading stock for 20 years. Completing my first Bitcoin at 10 and a half K in 2020 was the best chart work I ever did. Of course. Come on, bro. Doesn't even come close, Alf. You get it. Good for you, bro. I didn't know you were a uh, Bitcoin guy. I like you even more now. Always respected you and liked it. Now that I know you're a Bitcoin guy, damn. It's, uh, it's impressive. Very impre and you got a whole Bitcoin. That is awesome. That is awesome. You are going to be one of the few. So. One of the very few in the world that will own a Bitcoin. You're in, you're in, Alf, you are like in special, special company, bro. Like elite company. If you own one Bitcoin, you are in elite company. It's about 19 million Bitcoins. There'll be 21 million uh, mined, but about 2 million are already probably lost. Maybe even, maybe to three. You know, people have lost their keys and whatever and all that kind of stuff. They have screwed it up, unfortunately. So you got about 18, 19 million Bitcoin. There's over 8 billion people in the world. Okay. 95% of the world still is not on crypto and Bitcoin yet. They still don't under understand the blockchain and Web3 and any of that stuff. Okay. They don't know what a stable coin is. They just don't get anything. They don't know anything about DeFi. They know nothing, okay? And as I was explaining to somebody that I took a lot of time yesterday, and I hope that gentleman was worth it, but I took a lot of time to explain to him what the hell is going on, and he, I, I enlightened his ass. You know what I mean? And 
that's our problem that a lot of people don't know. And then by the time you react, it's going to be too late. You are so behind ALF, it's not even funny. Okay? ALF is like, it's like a horse race, right? And ALF is crossing the finish line at the Kentucky Derby. Do you know where you're at? You just started the race. You started the race. You're a length in the race. And ALF already finished the race. He's having, you know, relaxing with a drink in the winner's circle. And you're still just starting the race. He's got the flowers. He's got the rich people behind him. He's got everything. Alf already crossed that finish line like way ahead of you. And you're like, he's on steroids. No, 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 no. He's on Bitcoin. You're on fiat. And that's what's going to happen. Actually, with fiat, you're racing backwards. Alf went forward to the finish line. You went backwards. Because that's what fiat does. It goes backwards. You buy less and less every year. With Bitcoin, you buy more and more every year after 15 years. That's been proven long term. It has some volatility. But you get caught up in the, in the smoke and mirrors of volatility. But it's still going up as years go on. It's just going up and up and up. There'll be downs and then it'll go back up. It'll go down. It'll go higher, a higher point, a higher point, and a higher point. That's what it always does. Yet you want to overlook that. But yet your dollar... All it does is go down and down and down and down and down. And you blame one president or the other, but you don't understand that it's all of them. <laughs> Freaking awesome. Yeah. Speaking of the 94 Chargers, have you ever seen the articles written about how that team has been cursed? So many premature deaths. The team has suffered, starting with David Gregg. So sad. I, I'm going to go with bad ownership, my brother. The Chargers have been owned by the Spanos family forever, and I'm going to blame bad ownership. That's where we're – that's where the, – the bad luck comes from bad ownership, okay? You know, great ownership doesn't stop. Great ownership, like the Panthers, they're relentless, bro. That's great ownership. Moss Brothers – that's great ownership. They're relentless. They kind of mishandle things. They continue to mishandle things like this preseason, but they will spend money. That's for damn sure. They may not know exactly what they're doing, but they'll spend money. Um, Let's see. Johnny Pope, thank you for the love on the super chat. Do you plan on using Bitcoin for purchasing things or selling it at a certain price for USD? No, I don't. Maybe my daughter will, but I don't plan on doing it. No, if I if if I don't have to, I'm not going to, you know, if I have to because I have to pay some bills or some emergency, then I'll do it. But I don't plan on doing that. I plan on selling my Ethereum, my Avalanche, my Polygon, my Cardano. You know, uh, I have diversified my portfolio. So whether it's kryptonite or it's sailor, I mean, kryptonite is sailor, uh, neutron or uh, aletheia, jasmine, star atlas, uh, cosmos, you know, that's what I, I plan on selling my altcoins, you know, Bitcoin. No, no. Bitcoin, I plan on being my own bank. 
I will be a bank soon. Alf will be a bank soon. Do you know Alf? Do you know Alf can lend money out? Do you know that? Alf can use his Bitcoin to lend money out. He can get collateral from people, lend money out, okay, and make interest off his Bitcoin. You know that? It's going to end up happening. A lot of us that once you end up accumulating and once it soars to 70 and 100 and 200 and 500,000, because Alf has a coin that will be worth three, four, five, seven hundred thousand dollars eventually. By 2030, it'll be worth in that in that neighborhood, 700,000, a million. So he's going to have that coin and he's going to become a bank himself. And he's going to be able to give out a hundred thousand dollar loan on whatever the percentage rate is at that time, five, seven, eight percent if he feels like it, and he'll get his collateral and all that kind of crap. And then, you know, that's it. It's over. And he's going to end up making making his money make money for him. Do you do that with yours in your bank? No. What they do in the bank is they grab your money and they loan it out to other people and they get the interest and give you nothing. But decentralized financing allows you to grow into being your own bank. Learn, please learn about what's coming so you're not left behind. Okay? These people, they, they look like donkeys and elephants. They lean of blue and red. They keep you stupid. They keep you stupid. Be like Alf, end up on the winner's circle. Don't end up going backwards in a race because that's what fiat currency is, a backwards race. Bitcoin, a forward race. Did you buy it at 20? You're at 43. Did you buy it at 25? You're at 43. Did you buy it at 16? You're at 43. Did you buy it at 35? You're at 43. And it's going to go. Anyway, uh, so hopefully I don't use any of my Bitcoin, Johnny. And thank you, my man, for the super chat. I appreciate it. Remember, you can make a donation through Cash App or Venmo at Cash Big O Show. And you can send in a Bitcoin donation on Cash App or Venmo at Cash Big O Show. You know we love our Bitcoin donations. That's our favorite donation right there. Um, good morning. Uh, Ocala Joe is in the house. Uh, David Pridham, Gene Klein owned the Chargers in Fouts days. Um, yes, was it Klein? That they were the ones that called it the Chargers, right? That's what it was, right? Was it that was it that family? That's why, because they were they were a credit card company, right? And then that's because he was a credit card company because he owned a credit card. He called them the Chargers, right? Is that the Klein family? I think that's how it went. It's something like that. That's how the Chargers became the Chargers. What, I, or was it, hmm, or was it Hilton that owned them and called and owned the the credit card company and and called them the Chargers? Can you look it up for me? I'm sorry, Sean. Can you look up for me the owners of the Chargers, the original owners of the Chargers? I, now I'm thinking it was Hilton actually. 
and he owned the credit. The, the Hilton family, like the, the hotels, I think they also owned like uh, MasterCard or something, and then they called it the Chargers or something like that. I, I want to say I, I I forgot how the story went, but I'm I'm somewhere in the neighborhood. I know that. Uh, John Gieb, thank you for the love and the super chat. Yes, Hilton. sir. It was Hilton. It was Hilton. Okay. Yeah, in 1959, right. uh, they were awarded the Los Angeles Chargers. Exactly. There you go. Right. And Hilton owned, I think it was MasterCard. And so he called them the Chargers, if I'm correct. Uh, John Gieb, having a hard time wrapping my head around the field's buffoonery. Dolphin fans. Oh, well, I'm, bro, fans are fanatical. Doesn't mean they're logical. We get them here on the chat board all the time. So, you know, I'm not wasting my time with stupidity. Uh, Alexis says, I wanted the Moss Brothers for baseball. MLB screwed us. Yeah, whatever. Uh, I, Alexis, I'm sorry, dude. I, I wanted them for the Marlins in hindsight, which is 2020. The best thing happened. The best thing happened. Okay. Soccer is more of the future in this country than baseball ever will be baseball fiat currency backwards soccer bitcoin growing and growing and growing baseball dying and dying and dying so you know um i i think it's and 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 in south florida another thing with our influx of of uh uh, of uh, what's it called um immigrants a lot of them come from soccer countries man they're not all coming from cuba and puerto rico anymore okay they come from all kinds of places that love soccer brazil and colombia and argentina and haiti and they're coming from all over costa rica you know they're coming from places that they like soccer mexicans obviously you know, so I would say I would say that in hindsight, it ended it ended. And I told Moss this years ago. I, I told him hindsight, you ended up with the better product. Why? It's all about investments, man. It's all about getting bargains. You know how we lead you to the live scoring on, on the app and all that for hard rock. And we tell you how you can get better bargains. And a lot of you have learned that, right? This is the better bargain. Because you're going to overpay for baseball so much that to make that money back, it's going to be impossible. But in soccer, and especially his, you're not paying the regular $600 million expansion fee, $500 million that's going for now. No, no, no. David Beckham got his team for $125 million. So you, you, you didn't pay much for the team, right? So you're going to be able, and now it's already worth a billion dollars now that you've added Messi. Now you've added all that talent. You're up to a billion. Wait till you get your stadium. So you're going to start pushing a billion and a half to $2 billion. Okay. So his initial investment, he will a hundred times over that initial investment when it's all said and done. Okay. That three, four, $500 million investment will turn into 500 million. Uh, I'm sorry. Will turn into uh, $5 billion or maybe. Maybe not five billion, let's say two billion dollars in 20, 30 years from now. Whereas baseball, 
I don't know how much more it's growing. In fact, it's not growing. It's going backwards. And you're going to pay billions to get in. How are you going to times that a whole bunch? You're not. Because you're in the billions. Here you're in the millions. You can send it into the billions. I mean, you paid $125 million for the team. How much do you think they're going to pay for that team when you pay for $2 billion? That's like 18x, 17x. That in itself. Yeah. It, actually, for him, that's what I told him. You're going to end up making more money in the long run because you made the smaller investment that has the bigger gains coming than baseball. Uh, because he's already forcing the rest of the league to go after elite players. And he's going to force that. And that's what he wants. He wants to turn the MLS into a competitive league to the big leagues. And he wants to go out and get the best players. And you're in America, so you're going to have a better chance. Players are going to want to come here. The Moss brothers ended up winning by getting Inter instead of the Marlins. Big time. It's not even close. Again, this is not for you people out there that don't like soccer and don't know anything about soccer. Um, I know I follow all the sports. I like all the sports, so I'm objective about it. Those of you that don't like soccer, I've learned one thing about you. You have no objectivity whatsoever. Zero. Why? Because you hate the sport. And by the hate, you come with you come from a side of ignorance. And then that kind of kills the discussion right there. Uh, let's see. Oh, I wasn't speaking about the franchise and the bad owners. The 94 team, he had a lot of players pass away for one reason or another. Look it up. The 94 team of all those players that died. Oh, okay. I got you. I got you. I got you. Rosendo says, that's how the bank cycle works and stimulates the economy. FDR gave the same talk in 33. It was all Nixon, dude. Once he got us off gold, we were screwed. The, the, the our, our money's not backed up by anything, nothing whatsoever. That's the funny part. It's backed up by nothing. All they do is print more and create more debt. That's it. Big O, when is Interstadium coming online? I would say in uh, another two years. I would say for the 25 season, this 20, well, yeah, next season. It should be up for sometime in the 25 season. If not at the beginning, sometime during that, they, they have to get messy in there. So they will bust their asses to make that thing happen by next year. Okay? They will. They're going to work really hard to make that thing happen by 2025. I would not be surprised. Uh, Ragin is in the house. Says I'm getting into soccer now. I watched four Premier League games this past weekend and enjoyed every minute. I finally get it. <laughs> That's funny, but good for you. At least you, you know, you opened up your mind. Uh, you got a diverse pool of people from Jamaica, Colombia, Bolivia, Brazil, Peru, and Argentina that are all soccer fanatics. And the more and the, and the more they move here, the more soccer will continue to grow in South Florida. Right? You get it. And that's not even mentioning all the kids from the people that are coming from South America and Central America. They will continue to grow the soccer interest even more. Exactly. Soccer will overtake baseball easily in this country. Easily. It's getting close already, as it is.
because baseball has become a niche sport. It's no longer really a major sport anymore. When you when you talk about major, that means most people like it and watch it. That's not baseball anymore. Most people don't like and watch soccer, hockey, or baseball. They're niche sports. You get the average person loves football and they love the NBA. They watch those two religiously. Ratings, um, appearance, everything, it, 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 social media, it all gives it away. Look at it. The power that they have is crazy. The other sports are not there. Oh, college football is there too. College football is with the NFL and with the NBA. But the rest of the sports are no longer really major sports. We call them that, but they're really niche sports. That's what they are. They're niche. Because in general, people don't like hockey. In general, they don't like soccer. And in general, they don't like baseball anymore. You know, old people, you'll get more of them for baseball. Um, sneak attack says, I'm thinking long-term with Bitcoin to help me with retirement. I'm crossing my fingers. I can retire early. I'm currently 40. Alf, you're awesome. I'm only at point one of a Bitcoin. I aspire to catch up to you. DCA, 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 and you'll get there. Uh, South Florida is becoming expensive to live. Most people will spend or invest their money to support their needs. Sports is a luxury and most fans expect winners to spend. Very true. Very true. Johnny Pope is once again in the house. Thank you for the super chat. It's backed by blackmail instead of gold. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, hockey and soccer are same sport. Beautiful to watch. I agree. I love hockey and soccer, man. I'm a huge fan. Uh, oh, what happened to your foot? I uh, I had a bone spur in my in my foot in the top of my my top of my foot i had a bone spur here that was like one of the tendons that controls my my one of my toes and so was stabbing that tendon so it, it over time it's where you know if you look at the x-ray your foot is broken into these pieces right that when you fold and you bend right so in one of those i have two peaks that are meeting each other and it's two bone spurs that met and and developed and then that thing developed right under my damn tendon. And I started seeing stars. And I was like, whoa, what the hell is this? And I went and and then they found another bone spur by my Achilles. So I had a double surgery where they shaved that bone spur. And then they also extended my Achilles a little bit. And then that's why I've got to be in this boot now for six weeks. Because I've got to keep my foot at a certain angle so it's, my Achilles is stretched out. My Achilles was too tight. Uh, and, and the bone spur would have risked tearing it. So to try to avoid a Achilles tear and to fix the bone spur, I had to have the operation yesterday. So now I have the operation and now we recover for the next six weeks and we'll be fine and we'll get back into action. So there we go. Record that Sean, so I can have it as a thing. <laughs> Somebody ask again. Uh, let's see. Hi, everyone in the chat and gentlemen, Sean and Big O. Thank you, Samuel. Lenny Pena says, didn't we lose that 94 Chargers team in the playoffs because of Pete <coughs> Stojanovic? Yes. Yep, that was the choking game. What are your thoughts on Zara Chain? 
You mean Zeta Chain, right? You talk about Zeta Chain. Zeta Chain is really interesting. If you're talking about Zeta Chain, okay? And just so you'll know, if you're interested in Zeta Chain, uh, I know, remember I always tell you go to coinmarketcap.com and you can um, you can find out uh, coinmarketcap.com. You scroll down and you'll find out any of the new uh, coins that are out there. Are you talking about Zeta Chain? I just want to make sure. It is, right? Okay. So Zeta Chain, um, Zeta Chain is interesting. Because Zeta Chain is a blockchain that is built to help other layer ones grow. And so, like, let's, uh, an example, Doge has had a real problem. They can't do the things that SHIB does. SHIB has expanded their blockchain to add DeFi. You can, you, you can start building businesses on their blockchain now. They add the DeFi. They added the NFTs. They added the metaverse. Right. So they're do, uh, they added a stable coin, all of that. So they're doing everything like regular blockchains to become a complete business and not just a meme coin. Right. Which is something most meme coins never do. Only SHIB has done that with Shibarium and everything else that they've got going on. Doge doesn't have any utility whatsoever. None of that. OK, so the if they team up with Zeta chain. And Zeta helps play, you know, coins that maybe have, a, they're, they're behind on technology. Once again, we get back to the ALF race. ALF is out in front of everybody. He's in the Kentucky Derby. He's got the modern technology, right? Then there's that guy with the, the fiat currency. He's going backwards. That's kind of what Doge is, backwards. It's got, if it isn't for Elon, Doge has no existence whatsoever, right? But. What happens now? If they team up with Zeta Chain, Doge can be living on Zeta Chain, and then they're going to be able to now build an ecosystem around Doge, something that they haven't been able to do. So Zeta Chain is a very interesting business model if it's able to lift up other companies. It's gone up a ton. And so that's the one thing. I don't have Zeta Chain, okay? But I will tell you this. In... In one month, it's up 60%. In three months, it's up 61.5%. So it's gone up a lot lately, okay? Now, the good thing is, it's only a $304 million market cap. So this thing can be several billion dollars if it's successful. So you're going to be able to X this maybe six, nine, ten times if it's successful. Okay, so this is what I would tell you about Zeta Chain. Now you follow it and follow it on Twitter. You should follow any coin you invest in or you're thinking of investing in. Follow it on Twitter. Go to their website. Follow their 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 channel on YouTube. Okay, keep up with their improvements. Their partnering. So if you start seeing that they're partnering with other companies to for them to build on their blockchain then now their business starts to grow and it becomes a sexier model and a sexier company to invest in. But you've got to then make the follow-up now. That's the key. It, see, all of this is about taking time 
to actually read up on what this company is doing and how they're growing and who they're partnering with and who they're adding and all that kind of stuff and how their, their money is growing. If you don't know that, then there's no reason to invest in them. Okay. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? Hope I answered your question. Um, two, 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 two. Thought you were trying out as a new field goal kicker. I, I mean, then I go and embarrass Crossman and Sanders. I don't want to do that. That's, you know, that's not right, Rosendo. You shouldn't really go your, go out of your way to try to embarrass people. And I just don't want to do that. You know, that's not nice. So I'll let them live in their world. Don't need that, man. Don't need that. Uh, what else do we have? Big O, the Dolphins have you listed as a lower body injury on the 15-day DL, LOL. Uh, Steven Gonzalez says, I pulled an Oz. George says, lay off Stojanovic. I urge everyone to watch the replay of that snap and Bill, and Bill rush up the middle on the kick. Oh, uh, regardless, the loss did suck, though. Oh, God, it did. Michael says, thank you for your insight. Thank you, sir, for watching and supporting us. It's very important. Remember, you can make a donation through Cash App or Venmo. That's Cash Big O Show. By the way, on a positive side for Zeta Chain, one more thing. A week ago, it was $1.87. It's $1.28 right now. It's been on a free fall since uh february 1st it's gone down from a dollar 81 to a dollar 28 so that's 53 cents that's already about 30 percent right maybe a little bit more actually so you're talking about you know uh, um actually it's down 39 percent in the in the week you know that 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 part there so what i would tell you is you know if you were at a dollar let me see where is it dollar 28 now and you were a dollar 81 you know it's going to go back up there so you're going to gain all of that already with your investment because it's going to bounce right now everything's going to bounce pretty much that's solid and this is a solid one uh this i like this company it's got a lot of potential by the way zeta chain has got a lot of potential and it's listed on crypto.com again coinmarketcap.com is the website any coin you're looking at, you can put it in there and scroll about halfway down. You'll see a list of where it's being sold, the crypto exchanges, the DeFi platforms, all of that. So you can, you know, get it. Okay. Uh, I like it. Ondo's up uh, almost 6%, per 5%. I'm sorry, 5% right now. Back over 24 cents. So that's good. It's good to see. Wow. Wow. Kryptonite dipped to 44, to 4.4 cents, 4.39 cents now. It is in the middle of a dip, and I am, oh, you know what? I'm going to watch this dip on Kryptonite because I'm about to purchase a little sailor right now. Hey, Thaler, I'm about to do that. All right, let's get to our, uh, oh, by, by the way, well, before I get to this dolphin note, let's get to our 3A graphics sports calendar, okay? Let's do that. Uh, Alan Blanco and the great people at 3A Graphics, custom printing and embroidery. Heat defeat the magic. Very professional outing last night. I was, I was proud that they 
They played their asses off 121 to 95. And I got to tell you something that's interesting that proves once again that Eric Spolster is the greatest of all time here for the Miami Heat. Um, nice win. They've got San Antonio tonight at 730. Panthers come back from their time off. Unfortunately, lose to the Flyers 2-1. to Verhage had a goal. Stolarz had 23 saves. They've got uh, Washington on Thursday at 7 o'clock. Saturday, number three, UNC visits Miami. 4 o'clock tip-off at the Watsco Center. Thursday, uh, number 20, FAU will visit UAB. 9 o'clock tip-off on ESPN2. And tonight at the Rick Case Arena, baby, Nova Southeastern will host Florida Tech. Nova Southeastern is 10-0 at home. They've won five in a row. They're 11-2 in the conference. Let's uh, root on the boys and hope they get it done. So you got that. That is your 3A graphics sports calendar. Now, I got to tell you, something happened, uh, you know, while I was while I was gone for just a mere 24 hours. We had the new assistant hire for Anthony Weaver. And Joe Barry, and I told you I really like uh, the hire because it helps Weaver having a sound, uh, a sounding board guy, a guy that was a defensive coordinator. And again, we can't go off of whatever they did in Green Bay that, oh, you know, uh, they fired him or whatever. He was there three years as a defensive coordinator. He's the linebackers and run game coordinator. I think it's a positive to add him to to Anthony Weaver's staff, and it's good for Weaver to have a guy with that kind of experience. So I told you about that. We talked about that, and we talked about the Campanelli stuff. The other thing that developed, and we also talked about the cap crisis, which is a bunch of bullshit that people are writing about or talking about or, or whatever. There's no cap crisis, okay? And I explained that. The other thing that developed, and Sean... How were you feeling when you heard the news that the Miami Dolphins will not have an international game next year? Ah, <laughs> oh, no 5.30 wake up for you, buddy? Huh? On a Sunday, you're not looking forward to waking up at 5.30 in the morning? Whew. I got to tell you something. I'm super happy about that. No international games for me, man. I am really happy that that they uh, that they didn't get that. I got to say. Oh, God, I saw that and I was like, this is good news. This is sweet news. Uh, let's see what else. Glad to see you're back. Thank you, Green Lion. Appreciate it. Thank you, thank you. Um, how are we feeling about the DC? I've already I talked about that on Monday, so you can catch it on Monday's show. It's there, but I like it overall, and it's not really the it's not really the problem with Miami. That's the funny part. It's had nothing to do with our with our defensive coordinators. It's interesting. But you know what? With Kryptonite going down, that's because Say, which is a very good blockchain, up-and-coming blockchain, that's another one that has, although now it's up just under 
It just shot up to almost 62 cents. It was right. It was at 59 uh, at 11:35 a.m. and now at 12:41, it's up to 61 cents. So it's had a a quick jump now, uh, going almost to 62 cents. So who knows if say starts moving, then kryptonite will then move after. That's usually what happens. But again, this is why the dips are there, so you can take advantage of it. You know what I'm saying? And there's nothing wrong with taking advantage of a little kryptonite. If, again, if you've done your homework and you believe in it and all that good stuff like I do, uh, then you do it, man. That's just the way it goes. All right, what else do we have going on? Uh, Big old Dow Jones, last five years, the growth has been quite impressive. One year, 13%, three years, 24%. Five-year, 54%. It's pretty good. Still not better than Bitcoin. Not even close. So where Bitcoin was five years ago and where it's at now, it was like 2000 bucks or something five years ago. Something like that. Where was Bitcoin at? Let me see. Let's see. Let's, let's have some fun. And by the way, that's if you invested in the entire Dow. You got to, you know, you only invest in specific stocks. So you didn't have those kind of returns. You know what I mean? Unless you had a specific stock. So Bitcoin, let me go to all time. Here we go. Five years ago, which would be February 7th of 2019, correct? Okay. Let's move it slightly. You move it slightly and it moves so many dates. Oh, 130. Damn it. I can't get it between 130 and 227. Aha, two six two nineteen. I can't beat that. I, I mean, it's just to to get it exactly on that date. All right, three thousand four hundred and fourteen dollars Bitcoin. <laughs> you bought Bitcoin in two thousand and nineteen at three thousand four hundred dollars. You have gained forty thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Just you got to stay steady with it. You stay with it. You stay with the ups and downs is what you do. That's how you make your money, you know, and you can sell some at the peaks and then buy the dips and then you keep going. And you, it's a it's a beautiful cycle instead of a vicious cycle. But it's people don't look at it the right way and they you allow people that don't know anything about it to tell you about something they don't even know about you know how many people we have writing articles and on television talking about something they know nothing about it's amazing and i know because i hear you know i hate to say this but you sound like an idiot when you say it's a scam you're just repeating what the other stupid idiots say or the vicious people 
that are evil because they're tied to the banking system and they've got to hate Bitcoin because it's taking them down. It's giving us freedom and taking away the chains and the balls and chains that they have on our money constantly. So money line heat tonight. It's a back to back. Uh, Gordon says, with all the talk that Omar has been pushing about the cap, I feel like this is the twilight zone. Love Omar to death, but we've had, I've I had Omar on here for a while, and there were many times that I told him stuff that he didn't agree with, and, and eventually I was right. You know what I mean? So, um, and I love Omar to death, dude. He's an awesome dude. But do I disagree with him on a bunch of shit when it comes to dolphins? Hells to the yeah. And that's one of them. But, you know, to each his own. If he wants to call it cap hell or whatever the hell he's using, uh, that's fine. It's not cap hell. It's a talent challenge. There is. But not a. There, it's not about money. Money's not going to be the reason why it stops you from getting better. It's really the unfortunate aspect of having two defensive ends injured and then you've got to get through it and you can't really go buy two flat out defensive ends you can't do that mathematically that doesn't but you're going to have to get a van ginkle to kind of help you out and then fill in with other guys while you get those guys back that's reality so the talent challenge is there but the cap challenge is not it's a bunch of bullshit but then again you know when i told many people many of our insiders that flow didn't want Tua. They didn't believe that. That flow was pretty much hating Tua. They didn't believe that. You know? And eventually they all found out. So that's kind of how it goes, dude. You know what I mean? It, it, we're not all going to agree. And we're not all going to see things the same way. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I've done this enough and long enough to know I think more often than not, I, when it comes to the Dolphins, I'm not perfect, but I, I think I get it right more than most in this town for 34 years. Right more than most, pretty much. So you may not like what I have to say sometimes, but if you look deep down inside, more often than not, I've been right. So I'll go with this ain't no cap hell. As I've told you, It'll get harder next year and then impossible in two years. Okay? You'll still have some space and some maneuverability next year. Not as much, but you'll be able to get by. If your team is good enough, you'll be able to tweak the following year. If you need a complete makeover, you won't have that. But if you can tweak, you'll be able to do that. Then two years from now, when Tua's real money starts to kick in, that's when the problems start. That's when you're really going to be limited. You know what I'm saying? Um, let me uh, let me give you a little music and birthdays today, like we always do. Let's start off with music history. Why don't we? All right, February seventh on in '69 on this date, the Who recorded "Pinball Wizard." That's right. Pinball Wizard, uh, he's got such uh, supple wrists. At London's Morgan Studios, they go on to play the tune at nearly every concert since they premiered that track live 
in May of 1969. In 1976, Paul Simon, on this date, released 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. Just slip out the back, Jack. Making no plans, Stan. You don't need any coy, Roy. Just get yourself free. Or hop on the bus, Gus. You don't need to discuss much. Just drop off the key, Lee, and get yourself free. Uh, that was number one on the Americans, American Singles Charts. In 79 on this date, Stephen Stills became the first rock performer to record on digital equipment when he laid down some tracks at L.A.'s record plant studio. In 94, Blind Lemon singer Shannon Hoon assaulted a security guard at the American Music Awards ceremony after his band lost the award for Best New Artist to Stone Temple Pilots, and as well they should. Uh, Shannon was later charged with battery assault, resisting arrest, and destroying a police station. Wow. I guess he was a little blind to see that Stone Temple Pilots was a much better band than Blind Melon. Blind Melon had one song. That's it. We ran around like bumblebees, and it was over. Stone Temple Pilots. Brother, their debut album is one of the better rock albums of all time. And I can tell you this, because it was probably, it was the 90s, right? That where they started, if I'm correct. It is definitely one of the best records in the 90s. Guaranteed. Oh my God, that album is great. Blind Melon, give me a break. In 2003, Courtney Love, ugh, arrived at a benefit concert at London's Old Vic Theater dressed as Donald Duck. Later that night, she joined Elton John on stage for a version of The Bitch is Back. Uh, just not a fan of that woman at all. She, like, I, I find her to be gross, to be quite honest. Uh, in 2004, Queen's single, We Will Rock You, topped a poll of music fans to find the greatest rock anthem of all time, the band took second place to it, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. We Will Rock You has to be the greatest rock anthem of all time. It has to be. For sure. Um, that band was so creative. It's ridiculous. All right, let's go with birthdays today. Chris Rock is 35. Aston Kutcher is 46. Pierre Gasly, race car driver, is 28. Matthew Stafford is 36 years old. Garth Brooks is 62 years old. Isaiah Thomas, the hipster, is 35 years old, the former basketball player. It was a joke. Um, not the birthday part. You know what part was a joke, if you're smart enough. Shador Sanders is 22 years old. Um, Sepeling, TV host, born in 46. We lost him in 21 for our Hispanic audience. Uh, Steve Nash is 50. <laughs> uh, I, I know this. You know, normally when they say Instagram stars, TikTok, YouTubers, I don't know most of these people. But I know this guy. Instagram star Jeremy Meeks. This is the dude that was in jail 
and then posted his picture or whatever. And he has light eyes and he became, I think he got married and everything. And he got a modeling career going and all that. Cause he was like a, a good looking delinquent that got, you know, jailed. And then when he got out, he had like, you know, throbs of women lined up like to like, you know, try to straighten him out. You know what I'm saying? And so he's all over. I don't know what else has happened to his career because I haven't kept up with it, but I know he got famous out of that because it was one of those things that was all over the place. James Spader. He is 64 years old. Fun movie, Tough Turf. You ever want to watch that? Not a great movie, I said. Just a fun movie. Uh, he's made much better movies than that, but I always have fun watching Tough Turf. If you ever get to see it with James Spader. All right. All right. All right. There you go. That's what happened today in music history. Big O Mahomes had to be one of the greats. If he wins the Super Bowl. Wow. Four Super Bowls already. Well, four. it, it no, it'll be three. He's won two. If he wins this one, it'll be his third. He's been to four, but he lost that one. So. Yeah, they're looking for their their third Super Bowl. Orlando Mastodon and Lamb of God is coming to Orlando this year. I saw that, but I, I have no interest in Lamb of God. Zero. Love Mastodon. Love Mastodon. But Lamb of God is the headliner. So I don't know, man. I don't know if I want to travel to go see just to see Mastodon. Um, nah, probably not. I just don't like Lamb of God. There we go, Drago. Bitcoin is like inflating a balloon. The only time it slows down is to take a breath. I like it. Drago. Take a breath and then back up again. STP's second album was amazing, too. I played that over and over. Yeah, I mean, it's just like if you're Blind Melon, right? And... I get it. You you're proud of your band and who you are and what you've accomplished and all that kind of stuff. And it was, it's a terrific one song that they have. I get it. But Stone Temple Pilots, you saw it like develop, like right in front of you. Okay, I went to their first tour. I saw it at the whatever it was called then, Sony Amphitheater, Cruzan. Coral Sky, whatever the hell it was called back in those days. And they played some Led Zeppelin also because they didn't have, you know, it was only their first album. And so they didn't have the material for an entire show. But they headlined, the place was packed. And when you watch that band, you know, you'll see somebody and somebody's an actor, but then you will watch, you know, Meryl Streep. Or you're going to watch, you know, uh, Dustin Hoffman. You're going to watch Tom Hanks. You know, you're going to watch acting and then you're going to watch like elite acting, right? You're going to go out and see a band. And you're going to say, that's a good band. Yeah, they can jam. They're a good band. And then you'll go out and see a band and you'll say, holy shit, this is going to be one of the great bands. And that's exactly what you said about STP. Sad part is that their lead singer had, you know, other priorities and drugs took a, a turn and obviously ruined his life. 
And maybe if it wasn't for that, they could have been even better. But you know what you were watching early on was as special as it gets. It was like, okay, this is developing into one of the great bands. And then unfortunately, you know, it is what it is. He just started having so many issues. And then eventually he died. And it hurt their music and it hurt their band and all that kind of stuff. It, it You know, it's a shame when somebody has all that talent and Scott Whelan just, you know. Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Keith Moon. You know, we could just go on and on and on and Amy Winehouse. And, you know, it's just it's happened through the history of time with artists. You know, they just some of them. They're they're their own worst enemies and they they hurt themselves. That's all they know how to do. You know what I'm saying? It's, you see all that and then you go like Ozzy Osbourne survived, <laughs> made it to his old age. Like, Wow. Like, there's no shot that I would, you tell me in 1990, listen to me, in 1990, you tell me, Orlando, will Ozzy Osbourne and Mike Tyson be alive in 2020? I'm going to go, what are, are you out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? No, of course not. Ozzy will die for sure. And there's no doubt Mike Tyson's going to be dead. And wouldn't you know it? <laughs> Holy shit. So Scott Whelan, unfortunately, gave away, you know, uh, what could have been a magnificent career. And uh, he was a magnificent talent. But um, that band could have been even bigger. It was headed for big, big things. But drugs will do that to you. Yeah, Jim Morrison's another one. Yeah. yeah, Keith Richards, right? It's, you just don't know, dude. You just don't know. There's a guy that dies. He's 35. He's in great shape. Doesn't smoke, doesn't drink, right? And here's Keith Richards smoking eight packs a day, and he lives till he's 80. And you're like, DNA, bro. DNA. You can't explain it. One DNA is better than another DNA. One DNA can take one thing. Another DNA can't. And doctors can't explain that. Because Lord knows we all want Keith Richards' DNA. Okay? Because none of us have put our bodies through what Keith Richards put his body through. So you know we all would be, like, in great shape right now if we had his DNA. I don't know what's in Keith Richards' DNA but I want me some, okay? I want me some. That's impressive. Nobody explains Keith Richards, Troy. Nobody can explain Keith Richards. That's why I'm saying we must dissect him, okay? Maybe he's an alien. Maybe he came from Area 51 back in the day. Maybe he wasn't born. He was hatched. I'm not sure. He looks kind of like an alien. Maybe we cut him up inside. He's got like green blood and shit. I don't know. But something's going on with Keith Richards. That's for damn sure. Ozzy and Keith Richards are like cockroaches. Nothing can kill them. I'm, there's no doubt about that. 
No doubt about that. By the way, I, I read an article. Uh, it was on, was it on ESPN or no, it was in the Herald. And uh, the Venezuelan manager was talking about Yasiel Puig. And uh, I just, this is a quick thing, but I, I just found it hilarious, right? So he says that he has better talent than 70% of the major leaguers. And you know what I would laugh with that Venezuelan uh, manager? See, it, it's when you've been around sports for a long time, you've seen this all. This happens all the time. Okay. There are lots of guys that are running the streets and playing pickup basketball and and one that could have been some of the greatest players in the history of the NBA or greatest players right now or greatest players of the last five years. But they are idiots and they have the stupid gene with them and they either are lazy or they're criminals or they're inconsistent or they're unreliable. And guess who I'm talking about? I'm talking about Yasiel Puig. So, I mean, for the Venezuelan manager, you know what I mean? I, I get it. Do you want to talk up your guy and all that kind of crap? Yasiel Puig gets, in fact, they gave him more than he deserves in the majors because he didn't deserve nearly as much. And yes, he is supremely gifted. Okay. But by the way, I don't do the jingoistic bullshit just because I am of Cuban background. I am going to be pulling for somebody Cuban. No, I'm going to call it like I see it. Yasiel Puig is um mahong, a punk. Okay? He's always been a punk. He's always been a schmuck. He's always been a pea brain. And that's his problem. And just like Yasiel Puig, I've seen that all over the place. And I don't care if you're Brian Taylor. I don't care if you're... um. What's the name of the uh what's the name of the Ryan Leaf? Okay. I've seen it all over in the history of sports. I've watched guys who are supremely gifted and are either not smart enough to figure it out, right? Or too lazy, or they're a criminal, or whatever it is that stops them from getting better. You go and watch Sylvester Gray for the Miami Heat the first year. And you'll see a body and an athlete like you rarely ever see. Could he ever figure it out and put it together? No. Harold Miner was able to figure out a little bit more, but still not enough. And for whatever, and he wasn't a bad dude. He was just couldn't figure it out. You know what I mean? And we've had the Cecil Collins and there's, I mean, I'm tired of seeing this. You know what I mean? We, we have watched these people over the years in all kinds of sports just go ahead and sabotage their own careers. And that's exactly what Yasiel Puig has done to himself, not anybody else. Okay? Antonio Brown has no one to blame but himself. He reached the pinnacle, and he could have stayed there at the pinnacle, but he chose to be an idiot. Criminal, moron, dumbass, whatever adjective you want to use, there's a ton to describe Antonio Brown. But at least Antonio Brown is one of those guys that made it. But he couldn't maintain it, just like Scott Whelan. Made it, but couldn't maintain it. Yasiel Puig made it and then couldn't maintain it. I've seen these guys in all walks of life, 
They can't maintain it. They can never get there. Whatever it is, dude. You know? So. By the way, uh, blockchain.com is uh, apparently announcing a Zeta chain bonus drop. They're dropping 861,000. So who knows if, uh, if you have, if you have Zeta chain on your thing, you might get a little drop. Uh, let's see. Chris Cornell was another one of the greats we lost. Yes. Yes. Another one. Yes. Big O, even the toxic twins, Tyler and Perry can't compare to Keith Richards. <laughs> Cranberries, Dolores O'Riordan, God, supremely gifted. We lost her. She was like maybe 39 or 40, something like that. Love the Cranberries, dude. Love the Cranberries. Good music. And Zombie is one of those songs. It's, it's just a, a great, great song, dude. Wow. Zombie is that song that gets you going no matter what. And she just, she brings it for that song. You know, really, really good. God, excellent stuff. Rest in peace, Dolores. Supremely gifted. Supremely gifted. All right. Uh, I think we're done. Uh, we thank Cam Wolf. We thank Matt Verderam. We thank Manny Navarro. And of course, Sean Stanley, the man, the myth, the legend. Oh, it's not as flexible when you got your leg hanging on a chair there. Anyway, we uh, thank all of you. Those of you that send in a super chat, remember you can always send in a uh, a cash app or Venmo to support the show at Cash Big O Show. That is Cash Big O Show. We thank any of you that sent in a cash app or Venmo or a super chat. We shall see you tomorrow. All right, afternoon. Remember, Thursdays are always at 3 o'clock, and we're at Hialeah Park. Same time, same place, same bat channel. Love y'all.